Hey there, folks. What do you know? We're back once again. It's the Uticast, episode 151. Get out there and vote, folks, on May 15th for Utica School Board elections. And hey, while you're out there, maybe you vote for this week's guest, Utica School Board candidate Brianna Moriarty is here uh, talking about her uh, second attempt to get on the Utica School Board. Also this week, uh, we'll be talking about uh, gun control, uh, KKK recruitment in Westmoreland, uh, Supreme Court allowing sports betting across the country, uh, history lessons, streaming music, conspiracy theories, orbiting, all of this, and so much more, folks. We are happy to have you back. Oh, yes. Folks, we're back once again. Episode 151, not a special episode. Although I don't think episode 150 was particularly a special episode. It was me hiding the fact. Well, what that did you do? Would you just trot out Parkinson? I know. <laughs> it was a very behind the scenes type. That's what you can tell when someone wasn't prepared for a, a special episode, is they're like, "We're gonna do a behind the scenes episode." Uh, you see that with like television shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want to do an episode this week. We're just gonna talk about how the sausage gets made. <laughs> Uh, which is always very... Ex- you never heard that term before? You didn't like that term? No. It's like I, a, say I didn't like it. I know I, the I've term, never, but it's a I'm weird just, It's just so weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's how the Made in Utica sausage gets made. Okay, uh, speaking okay. of which... That's cool. Uh, speaking of Made in Utica projects, uh, by the <laughs> speaking time... Speaking of Made in Utica sausage. <laughs> speaking of Made in Utica sausage. Uh, <laughs> we got some curing in the basement right yeah, now. delicious <laughs> sausage curing. Uh, no, uh... We finished up our B-roll on the passport video. Again, if you haven't ordered your passport, go to madeinutica.com. Pre-order your passports. They're really, really impressive this year. Easily the nicest passports we've ever made in terms of how dense they are, how, like, all the work that went into them. It's really, it feels like a piece of art in the way that last year's, which is based on video games, seemed more like a pop culture type piece. This really does seem... Like something special, and I'm glad we did this for five years. So there you go. There's me putting over the place I work. It's all good deals too. It's awesome stuff. Good deals, and uh, you can look forward to our wonderful video, which should be up. I want to see it. I'm gonna put the pressure on TK. I spoke to TK today in the editing studio, to which he said, "When I get home from work tonight, I'm almost done. I'm gonna finish it up." So today, by the time you folks hear this podcast, it will be up and available to listen to. So is this video gonna be another like absurdist fever dream, like the attic? Crazy deals one was for whatever the last thing was. Uh, no, I don't even remember what the endeavor was because no, the video was so crazy. Yeah, don't either. <laughs> uh, no, this is a much more straightforward video than in the past. Uh, thanks to GFOP Kate Riley, who very specifically was like, "You need to put the name of the item you're selling and where people can get it and when it's available." Yeah, Please helpful. put those things yeah. on your commercial. There's nothing wrong with making like funny, weird awareness art project videos, but like when you're trying to. For all the time and work that goes into making these videos, and we only get to do them every so often, this won't. Gotta save the absurdist fever dreams, maybe, for like the passion project. I'll say this this video is 90% me and TK. Oh, okay. okay? So now put I it. Know. So now we know why he wants it out so <laughs> yeah. so, so quickly. Yeah, so I don't want to watch it. Now. We put it out there. It's good. I mean, in terms of like whose idea it was to oh. shoot this. Like, Parkinson had a couple particular shots that he wanted to do, and. 
once he left to go do his other stuff, we just took the cameras and did the rest of the stuff ourselves. So it's a lot of me and TK, and like I said, our GFOP Zach Wilson from Mad Props, he's really going to be the star of this video. He's definitely going to steal the thunder from everybody, and that's fine. That's what we're hoping for. But video should be out. Order your passports. Um, so a couple things. Uh, Heather, number one. Happy to see you again, as Yay. always. Welcome back. Thank you. You uh, didn't answer me when I texted you earlier today. I thought you were standing us up. I just saw your text on my way here, and I'm like, oh, sh didn't, I didn't text him. Sorry, I was yeah. making dinner. I assumed, that, I assumed you had family stuff to do. I was making dinner. But in case you're curious, Kevin and I are now caught up on Westworld. We are official with the rest of the Westworld viewing publics. Season two and everything? Yes, everything. We're, we're on... You said caught up. Oh, yeah, caught up. Caught Sorry. Up. Welcome back, Heather. We all Sorry. caught up. <laughs> Glad I could make Heather's it Heather's all caught up. No, it's it's good, isn't it? But season two is a little bit making me a little mad right now. I'll say this without spoiling anything. I appreciate the fact that they run through a lot of story in every episode very quickly. A lot of shows like will drag you out. Mm -hmm. I think of like Walking Dead sometimes. Like I was watching The Walking Dead, and I'm like, okay... I can tell where the end of this season is going, how many episodes are left until I figure out what's happening. Westworld doesn't seem to do that. They're just going to throw like 9,000 things at you and it's going to change the story every week. It's a very... They don't skimp away from the, the shockers. I'll say that. Um, so yeah, we're caught up. We can talk about that after the show. You may have noticed that Kev is very angry today with you. He's yelling and screaming, giving you a hard time today. Am I? I don't know. Really nice. I am? Actually, I don't know. Oh. Uh, well, the reason so I don't know, I What's think I'm about, I think I'm about to find out. Wow. This is news to me. Because me? I don't know if you guys saw this. Kev's work is about to get very serious. Serenade Thursday is oh. around the corner. You guys released the list today for all the bands that are playing oh, yeah. for Serenade Thursday today. I saw that on your Instagram or your Twitter today. Facebook. I mean, yeah, we put it out about ten days ago. <laughs> well, I, that shows you how much I saw. <laughs> it. So you but know, the 24th or two weeks Serenade away. Thursday starts. We I mean, we do have Spring Fest this Saturday. Nice. Four to eight, we got Floodwood out there. We're going to have all the trucks and the Food Truck Association uh, Cornhole Tournament with some awesome prizes. And also, uh, Crazy Cliff Montoni is setting up a tie-dye station. <laughs> Crazy So we ordered, we ordered a bunch of uh, white Saranac <laughs> t-shirts and white Union Club t-shirts, and we're letting people tie-dye on site. That's awesome. Set up. That's very it strong. should be cool. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going to put the tent, how we're going to set everything up, because it's still very much uh, in flux mm. out there in our courtyard. But yeah, summer is rapidly, rapidly, rapidly approaching. I can tell summer's approaching because none of my kids want to be in school anymore, and also none of the teachers want to be in the classroom anymore. <laughs> like, we've gotten to the end of the year where, like, it's nice out. Can we just be outside all the time? Mm -hmm. Well, except for the fact that kids hate to be outside. I heard our kids say this to me today. It's nice out, which means if I go to gym, we have to go outside. I'm like... What What's the rest of your, is there more to the story that I'm, that I'm not getting? <laughs> you know, 100%. You're forgetting what it's like to be, to be one of these young kids. I guess that's true. I, I guess like, that probably... Here's the part, because you go outside and then you sweat yourself to death. Your whole outfit's all jacked up. You're not comfortable for the rest of the day. Yeah, having to go and actually really sweat in gym class is annoying. Because it's not like you've got time that's to really point. grab a shower. And even if you do, you're not going to shower in the horrible, horrible showers. <laughs> and, no. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, no, you're all point. sweaty and jacked up for the rest of the day. Once it started to get hot in school, gym class was the worst. Especially if you had a gym teacher who... Was like a real hardo and was like, Yeah, you're gonna get out there and do the jumping jacks and run. Let's get outside. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Yeah, like laps, that kind of thing. The laps, I was like the kid that was always getting yelled at to run faster and do stuff. That was me. I was a kid just not bringing gym clothes and yeah, hanging out in the too. bleachers with my friends gambling <laughs> for dollars. 
Shout out to infamous Facebook celebrity Derek Scarlino. His dad was my gym coach, and his dad once told me while I was running track that I had a Volkswagen engine and a tractor trailer body. That was oh a harsh my. thing to say. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. It means I wasn't pumping hard enough. He's like, you're not working hard enough. You're lazy, Famalaro. That's what I was told. Yeah, gym teacher. Wow. I'm sorry that I'm not going super hard in fifth period, but I've got off. girls to talk to and tests to pass and homework that's not done, so I'll bet you mind your business and go count your $45,000 a year. Teachers should get paid more. Go ahead. Yes, we should. <laughs> yes, we should. We should. Um, so, you know, it's funny you say that, actually, though, because Monday, I've, I have a little theory that I've come up with, right? I think that I'm using this podcast as a smokescreen for me doing other things on Mondays that I would get motivated for. Because every Monday lately, the last few weeks, I'm like, God, I gotta do something. I gotta, like, start going to the gym or go for a run, Rock. or hit up my yoga. It's something, I mean, right? It would be hilarious if you started lifting heavy weights, like yeah. five days a week. Like a if you put on, like, down. 25 pounds of raw muscle, and you <laughs> body fat down to, like, 7%, and we're just super jacked, it would be hilarious to me. Funny story, I was talking about this with a friend of mine today, and she offered to train me at her gym. You should do it. I'm. She's do like, it. she's like, do you want to come? I was like, you will out... Press me, and you are a small girl. And that's I was what like, they're there for. She's like, yes, I will. And check your yeah. Check all your yeah. So get some humility and go do it. It's the You'll easiest, especially like for somebody who's not you know you've never been a gym rat, weightlifting rat in your life. You no, you couldn't just walk into a gym and start. You need somebody there for the first bunch yep. of weeks to teach you how to do it. You know what I mean? It'd be the same thing like saying you want to learn how to play guitar. You know, you got to go and, and learn the things that people got to show yeah. you so you don't get bad habits and hurt yourself. I did it right after I had my son. I, I, I had somebody help me. Just Personal get me trainer. started. Just Heather, get me started. Heather can deadlift 300 pounds. <laughs> I've seen her clean and jerk 300 pounds. I've seen her weightlifting Instagram she has. She has a private weightlifter. Don't only talk Instagram about it. Don't tell anybody about squats it. She used to all climb day. boulders, now she lifts boulders. I do. <laughs> it's like CrossFit, but much more impressive. Wait, um, wait. No, it's something I've thought about, though. I've never been the kind of guy who's like, I need to get like muscular. You I would like to get, get less fat, right? Is really more what I'm talking about. Like, if I was thin, and, like, lean, that'd be fine. I'm not trying to be, like, Brock Lesnar or some, like, jacked muscle-bound type guy, right? That's not ever really been the M.O. Health would be nice. Feeling, he- <laughs> health. Feeling healthy would Just be... General health. General health. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's so my... So, wait, one. it's smoke screening your Mondays? What do you no, mean? No, because on Monday... I'm always, like, the most gassed up to be like, no, this is the start of the week. Tackle the new Tackle life. the nude, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I got to do the podcast and edit it. So tomorrow, 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 start of the new life. And then I'm like, wait, there was stuff I needed to do on Monday that I didn't do, so now I got to do it on Tuesday. And then I start and talking myself out of it. And then mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it all falls apart. So I think that I'm blaming the podcast for my inability to get in shape. That's my roundabout You're start doing the podcast that, from, that. like, Heather's weightlifting gym? I have a climbing wall in my basement if you want to climb. Really? We can do live from the wall? Yeah, we can. It's <laughs> actually not a terrible idea. Do you really have a climb yeah. around your basement? That's amazing. Yeah. How the hell tall are the ceilings in your basement? Uh, it's like a 60 degree angle. Oh, I see. So it's like leaning forward. Yeah. God, it seems horrible. Oh my god. How well so can you go? Like three. You be surprised how hard it is, though. No, I'm sure it's very hard. Like, it sounds it's like se- clinging to the mo- ceiling. Six, seven moves. Okay. I. What you need is for Zach to get that money and get you one of those ones that's like the, uh, the, a conveyor belt. Yeah, I saw like that. the conveyor belt ones that have the different things, they just move with yeah. you. That seems like also it would be looks a, really a hard interesting. Thing. See, for me, I'm like, I'm six foot five, so I hear I've got a climbing wall in the basement. I'm like, well, I probably have to duck my head to not hit the ceiling it's in the basement. basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Motivation Monday, it's a real thing, uh, trying to get motivated. Hey, I'm eating an interloper, knocking at the studio. Hey, guys, are you ready for some local news? Are you excited? 
Always excited for local news. Always excited for local news. I have two local stories for us this week, and uh, I wouldn't call either of them controversial necessarily, but they're going to talk about some serious things, so I'm going to try and be as serious as I can. It's like, I wouldn't call either of them controversial, but I bet there's some people on Facebook with opinions. I'm sure that there are some people on Facebook with opinions. Uh, let's start with this one, and I know that I've put him over on the show a couple times. Uh, Observer Dispatch is Greg Mason, one of my favorite people in terms of... One of the best in the business locally. Greg does a great job. Yeah, really excellent work. Uh, I've tried to get him on the show in the past, and he doesn't feel great about coming on the show. I think he's concerned that it will... Like skew his journalistic integrity. I'm like, buddy, I have no journalistic integrity. Don't worry about it. I'll take all the heat for maybe you. Maybe that's his concern. <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's his concern. <laughs> maybe he's like by proxy. He's like, aren't you the guy who made that Blue Sox video? Nah. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. It's not me. It's not me, bro. Uh, but he does phenomenal work around here. Like one of my favorite people to read locally. And uh-huh. um, he did a really nice article today, uh, which broke down the stances of our GFOP uh, Anthony Brindisi. And our fake GFOP, Claudia Cinney, and their stances on gun control. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Did a really nice breakdown on it. Uh, so I thought I would share the three major things that they brought up and uh, how they responded. And I thought we could respond accordingly. Feel good? Sound good? Sounds good. Um, so in general, I think one of the things, and, and Anthony's talked about this on the show before, um, both Anthony Bernisi and Claudia Tinney have like positive stances in the MRA. They both have like A and A plus ratings, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I learned something today. When you get fi- when you're like a politician and you fill those questionnaires out for for the NRA, it's different at the state and federal level. Which no doy, but I never thought about it in that way. I guess it's probably easier to get a higher score at a local level or, than it is at the federal level from the NRA in terms of like filling out those questionnaires. Would make sense to me. That's just an assumption I have. Either way, uh, they're both really highly favored by the NRA in terms of politicians for this area. So. Uh, here's a couple quotes I wanted to share with you that I thought were interesting, okay? Uh, this was a quote from, uh, quote from Claudia Tinney about uh, violence in our society, okay? The problem is the violence in our society, and I think we need to continue to go back to that. It's not necessarily the gun owner, and certainly we uh, want other people who are responsible in the careful use of firearms to be having them. Uh, I see a lot of people talking about this narrative uh, Ken, we grew up in an era where a lot of, like, the cartoons and television and stuff we saw was relatively violent, right? Yeah. Do you feel yeah. like it had, had the same way for you? Um, no, I'm saying, like, I watched, <laughs> I feel like I, I'm trying to think of something you would have watched. You no, seem very, okay. like, uh, sweet. I can't imagine you watching something violent. I watch, um, I watch gun stuff. Gun stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's like, do you feel like the, growing up in an era when we were more prone to see, like, casual violence on television, do you think, do you think it made you more violent inherently? Oh. I don't know if I buy the argument that we were more prone to see casual violence on television than kids are today. I mean, they see it on the internet. I don't they buy get, that they have at free all. access yeah, to more. No, I see more now than I ever saw. Kids can look up whatever the hell they want on YouTube. You yeah. know, I mean, we mentioned, mm-hmm. like, Walking Dead, Westworld. Like, young younger kids are watching these shows. That's a good point. I think they're more likely to consume violence now than ever, but still, no, I don't think that's no, the... It's on. That's one of those things where it's like, you know, we can't talk about this part of the argument because it's this other thing, and, you know... Claudia Tenney and people of her ilk are really good at doing this. Anytime you bring up an issue, yeah. like, well, that's not the issue, so we shouldn't talk about it. We shouldn't even. It's like the idea, like, mm. well, that won't fix everything, so we shouldn't do anything. Right, right, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand. I've heard that argument many times. Yeah. Charlie, no, it's a cop out. It is a cop out, and I've heard that argument a lot of places. Now, I don't. The other side of this, though, I do feel like. Like, even when I sit down and I play Fallout sometimes, right, I'm like, this is a pretty violent video game. I don't think it affects me as I'm playing it. I don't feel any more violent. But I do wonder, like, if my nephew watched it, if he would be affected by it in the same way that I am. 
think right. it's more if you have like some already pre-existing thing going on mentally that would make you okay so you think it's like more. a catalyst yeah i don't think it i think if anybody's not like are not violent or don't have those kind of thoughts anyway are going to play a game like that and they're not going to go out and think about shooting people afterwards but maybe this is something that regresses somebody mm. who would want to shoot somebody or maybe continue to carry that violent feeling i don't know you know, my no, it's interesting though, because my mom never really liked like the violent television, the violent video games and stuff. But she also never like went out of her way to tell me I couldn't like play them. She always was very good at like, do you understand that this is like uh, this is not real, right? Like you understand the consequences and reality of what happens. And I think that's really a big part of it is, and I see this a lot of people don't like to have that conversation about the difference between reality and and fantasy anymore. It just seems like a lot for kids because kids don't take them seriously. Um, but I got off track. I didn't. Also, even... not for nothing. Uh, real quick, it's important to note that you know, for as much as a lot of people like to pay lip service, like oh, you know, these violent times, you know, how things are today. Violent crime has been trending downward for yes. over two decades. That's that's a fact. Yes, you see more about it. Yes, more is sold to you in this crazy news media cycle where there's a new story of right. the day every two hours, it seems like there's more. There's less violence in our culture right now than at almost any point that we've had the culture. And I know that seems people, a lot of people, I say that to a lot of people, yeah. like, what are you talking about? That's mm. crazy. But when you actually look at, you know, you look at crime statistics, you look at all these different things, and you look at the trends going over decades, mm. it's, it's pretty irrefutable. Mm. You can't say anything about it, so... Claudia's facts are also wrong, which is <laughs> shocking. <laughs> shocking. So these were the three points that they uh, they were interviewed about. First one was assault weapons and background checks. Uh, neither would support a ban on assault weapons. Uh, Bernice said he believes federal legislation would first focus on expanding background checks to include checks for all commercial sales of firearms. Even then, he would not support a ban on assault rifles if voted into Congress. Claudia did this thing, which I think is impressive, actually. She did not say whether she would support expanding uh, checks to include uh, commercial sales. She instead referred to her vote uh, from uh, 2017, uh, which invoked stricter requirements for agencies to report to the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. Um, This was the quote, without a solid database, you're not going to be able to do a valid background check. Uh, although some things are in it, there are certain people who will never be able to carry guns, uh, guns because of their federal convictions. And she and her argument, I guess, is that she feels that that's enough. Like you don't need to ban assault rifles if you have a strong background check system, right? I don't know enough about the background check system. Never bought a gun. I, I am on the I'm on like that really liberal side, right? I don't understand why assault rifles are available in general, right? To be fair, explain what an assault rifle is. Well, that's the other point. That's a because great point. Because as like somebody who I'm not a gun guy. I don't have any guns. I don't have much mm. interest in having a gun. Yeah, I've got a lot of family members who who love guns. They like to hunt. They like to target shoot. I've got some you know ex military mm. people. I've got members of my family who work in the pistol permit licensing office. I'm pretty well informed with guns. Um, and one of the points that these you know the the super pro Second Amendment people and the people yeah. on the right side of the aisle tend to make they're like people say assault weapons. They say assault rifles. They say this and that. But, like, they don't actually know what it means. They're pretty spot on with that stuff. Yeah. And so in order for us to engage, you know, if you're going to engage thoughts or you got to get rid of these things, then you have to right. be coming from an informed position because these right. people certainly are. And this mm-hmm. is one of the few things they'll chew you up on if you aren't. Well, at least yeah. how about not an assault rifle that can kill, like, 30 people in a minute in one room? You know what I mean? Yes. Something yeah. like, right. I don't think there's any need for a gun like that. I don't know what kind of deer you're yeah. shooting out there. It's a great um, point. <laughs> uh, you make a great point, though, and I... Uh, 
and this is what I was sort of talking about, you know, Claudia Tinney, we, we give her a hard time on this show. Her argument, uh, she clarifies assault rifles as fully automatic weapons, which are restricted by law, which is different than what New York State's definition of the term automatic rifle is, which includes semi-automatic rifles that have, like, bump stocks and suppressors and things like that. So I wonder if a lot of this is mostly a semantics and we need to a more baseline, broad definition for what actually qualifies as I mean, a assault rifle and assault rifle. Or get more accurate terminology and, you know, get get a little bit more educational about the subjects out there. Um, but I think this, again, is, you know, it's an example of kind of arguing in bad faith. Okay. From her perspective where it's like, I'm going to dismiss the question because of this, like, weird technicality. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. The other argument they were saying, uh, the other issue was barring uh, domestic abusers from owning firearms. 100%. I think that's wonderful. Mm. 100%. Uh, you hit your wife once, you never get to have a gun again. Cry about it. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Uh, the only real difference, and most, and again, both of them uh, are for taking guns away from domestic abusers. The only difference is uh, Claudia argues that uh, people who, uh, people who've received, like, had their day in court and have gone through court and come out should be able to get their stuff back. No. Oh, is the they're argument. still just as bad as they were before they went in. Well, I mean, if they don't get convicted. No, no, no. The argument is like she she does not support uh, she does support revocation of firearms from convicted domestic abusers as long as they've had their day in court. Determination made after the judges view the evidence. So if you go to court, so they should keep the guns before they have their court date. I don't know. I don't know what that means. She's not revocation. What does that mean? Is that giving your Revoking. guns back after you've? So she's only saying oh, okay. after you've gone to court they're taking your guns so away. So take your gun away until after court. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brindisi, however, voted for and supported a law uh, prohibiting domestic abusers from owning any firearms and expanded the list of criminal offenses eligible for consideration under the law. Uh, that law, uh, Tenney believes, lacks due, pro- uh, lacks due process. So there's your dividing point. Here's the, here's the crazy one. Are you ready for this one? No. Arming teachers. Oh, I remember hearing about this for a while. <laughs> That's it. Oh. So, shockingly, neither candidate supports the notion oh of God. arming teachers in an event to stem school shootings, uh, which is, to this day, as a guy I'm who's... I'm kind of surprised that Claudia didn't support that. She's usually such like a, a mindless like Trump bootlicker that they follow right along, yeah. and I'm kind of pleasantly surprised. I'd love to talk about it when she comes on the show to debate yeah. me. All right, and, uh, and that's it. Those are the three major points. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. I, I thought he did a great job breaking this down, if you want further. It's he, you know, he's a candidate where um, I think a lot of Democrats, especially in areas like ours, could learn from on it's like, hey, look, we've got a lot of work and progress to be done in guns, but if you try to overcorrect because of the national mood and make this a central focus of your campaign, you're going to have a tough time. Yeah. And frankly, the, the Democrats have bigger fish to fry than guns right now. Mm-hmm. And that sounds crazy, you know, because certainly people are dying and it's not to, you know, minimize that. But at the end of the day, would you rather be effective or would you rather lose the election? But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I'm with you, brother. Dark times ahead. Uh, speaking of dark times ahead, here's one more local story. There's not a bunch on this, but I'm sure you guys saw this. Earlier this week, residents in Westmoreland neighborhood found KKK recruitment materials left in their driveways, prompting an investigation by the United County Sheriff's Office. Uh, the office says Wade Ziploc bags containing printed recruitment materials were found in several driveways between 4 and 8 a.m. Um, you know, it's funny. I think sometimes when you live up here, I feel like I've been in, like, Uduke Public Schools. I've been in highly diverse areas. I sometimes forget how close... We are to like a lot of people who feel totally different about mm-hmm. the world. Oh, but they live on the street. Yeah, they live on the street. Mm. 
Like that's we had a good friend of the podcast. Our friend came up from Brooklyn and was like, he was talking about these kind of people. Like these people can't really be out there. I'm like, dude, you've been living in this. You've been living in your bubble way too long. These people are all over the place. That doesn't surprise me in the least little bit. Hmm. Uh, I'm just scared you don't see it. That's probably you just don't see it. Unless I go to to Barneville or somewhere, then I see things. Well, that's what I guess the question is, right? Though, is like it, maybe I don't think outside of my my particular circle enough to think that there's a difference in per se Westmoreland or Barnaville than there is here, right? Well, Westmoreland, it's Utica. Yeah, it's Utica. You go to specific. I mean, there it's everywhere, but specifically East Utica, North Utica. You just it's we. It's really really easy to just you know, especially when we're busy, we're at work, and we just talk to the people that we talk to, and that's it. But yeah. you go talk to some of these people, they're right there. You know what I mean? I'm not saying. They're all the clan, but I'm saying there's yeah. people with a lot right, of right, varying right. opinions that you wouldn't normally think of from New York that are right there. I'll share this with you guys. Uh, I showed my I showed my stepdad this story this week because he, he was very curious about it. And I showed him something he'd never seen before, which is the Southern Poverty Law Center hate map, which if you go on southernpovertylawcenter.org or whatever it is, they have an accurate map of the country that breaks down where all the heads of all the like hate groups are in every state. It's really like it's sobering. It's really depressing. To yeah, look I've at. never seen that. Uh, well, it's definitely worth a look. Yo, um, I went to I went to a stag party for um, somebody somebody that I know, like a family friend, out in like deep deep backcountry, like mm-hmm. West Winfield type stuff. Just this weekend, yeah. and you know, I had a great time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. met a lot of people, was talking to all sorts of folks, but it was definitely like you know, official. I can't tell you how many like. God and guns and constitution and blue lives t-shirts yeah. and oh, yeah. everything that I saw everywhere. The raff they were raffling off two different guns mm. in the raffle thing, you know what I mean? Like Trump stickers, America stickers, gun and cop stickers everywhere. That was I was twenty minutes from here. Yeah. It's it's important to know who's around you, folks. Important to know why it's important to vote locally as well. Come out to your local elections. It's also why it's important to talk to people, especially people you think you don't agree with. Because like I said, I talked to a lot of people, and mm. they were you know, they were great folks. And it's important to talk to people and understand people, because it's the only way you get anywhere. Uh, one last quick national story I wanted to share with you guys before we go to this week's interview. Uh, and only because it popped in this morning, and I feel like it's, it's an important story, but for kind of like reasons that are not as important right now, but will be in the future. Supreme Court just paved the way for states outside of Nevada to legalize sports betting. Now, it didn't legalize sports betting on its own, but it gave a lot of states the opportunity to start uh, opening up legalized gambling already. Matter of fact, a lot of states have already built legislation and recently passed bills, uh, specifically Mississippi, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Connecticut, set up uh, recently passed bills under the assumption that this was going to happen. Uh, New York uh, did recently pass uh, a... uh, They recently introduced a bill but it has not been passed, uh, that bill would allow for legalized, oh uh, okay, God, what was it? Uh, legal in-person and mobile sports betting in New York State. So that includes like your DraftKings and that kind of thing, which I was doing for a while, and then also uh, legalized like, sports gambling with boogies. There's a lot of reasons why people would be upset about this and a lot of reasons why you would let it happen. What are your thoughts on gambling in general and sports gambling? Do you have any thoughts about this legalization? Do you not gamble I mean, I at all? I do fantasy football. Does that count? <laughs> it does technically. Technically, it's a little bit of a. Do you, put, do you put money in? Yeah. Then it counts. Uh, it counts. Yeah. I, I gamble. Yeah, technically, it. fantasy football where you put money on it is illegal, as long as it quote unquote. Create like things you see, like in movies. You know where you see like it get things get violent and people get more like more people are addicted to game like gambling and things like that. I think that that's like the scary part of the whole thing. Will more people start right. wasting away money and becoming? 
Well, certainly, look, gambling is much like anything else, and I think that there's inherent concerns about gambling in general, not just sports betting. Like, people, I've seen a lot of people throw their lives away because of gambling. Uh, I do think there are benefits to legalizing sports gambling in other places besides just Las Vegas. The three that people will talk about a lot is, uh, much like uh, the marijuana legalization, uh, revenue streams for a lot of these states, you know, um, it cuts into the massive black market of people who are gambling illegally. Like, I know, I can name like six bookies who are probably going to be annoyed about this who live around here. Not that I gamble or use a bookie or anything. Um, and it gives states, uh, states a better chance to control consumption and address addiction. That depends on how states handle things, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say that gambling is one of those quote-unquote victimless crimes because it's definitely victims, but you, it's, it's not something that I feel like, it's, it's not the sort I'm going to die on is like, stopping people from gambling on sports, right? I don't I don't feel that strongly about it. Yeah, no, legalize it and tax it 100% mm, yeah. because all three of those points are valid. You know, you do, you cut into the, because right now, like, people are already throwing their lives away gambling, you know what I mean? So mm. at least you give people some legal protection and recourse so that people aren't literally, I mean, how many, it's it's become uh, like a cultural meme where it's like, oh, the bookie's going to break your legs because you can't pay him. Right. That yeah, stuff yeah. happens. Yes, it you does. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so you save a lot of people from situations like that. If people are going to do it anyway, they're going to find a way to do it. So you might as well tax it, regulate it, and make mm. it about as, you know, as yeah. safe as you can for something and let people make a choice. It's the same thing with, you know, marijuana prohibition. It's when they tried to... Have prohibition for alcohol. It was the same thing. Look what happened. Mm. You know what I mean? It's obviously much better to legalize it, tax it, and try to regulate it and make it safe. Yeah. And, you know, if all these people are going to be making black market money, we might as well get our cut to put towards paving the roads and doing stuff like that. That's a great point. And uh, I paving think... Paving the roads. I like how that... Paving the roads. <laughs> I mean, all sorts of stuff. Every every city, every municipality has bills mm. to pay, and the more tax revenue you can bring in, especially in more economically starved areas like this, you got to do what you have to do to evolve and try to help people in the long run. Well, staying on the same lines, uh, New York, uh, U.S. lotto operators are worrying that fewer millennials are lining up to play the lottery. We don't even need money. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um... Overall, ticket sales for lottery tickets across the country rose 9% uh, since 2015, but the age ranges have totally shifted, right? Like, uh, this is a quote from a 26-year-old, which ties into what we were just talking about. Uh, I'm not going to bet money. If I was going to bet money for entertainment, it would probably be on sports betting versus lottery just because it's more interactive, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. There is some argument. Uh, one th only one-third of Americans age 18 to 29 said they played the lotto in the past year compared to 61% of those aged 50 to 64. So, and a lot of people actually talk about it's not, people don't want to get a lottery ticket and have to wait three days to find out if they won. It's not really instantaneous. So wait, are these people counting scratch-offs in their little statistics here? Yeah. I think okay. so. Yeah, any well, sort that of. that is instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't think people are buying scratch-offs in that way that. Like the I don't I don't buy scratch offs. I, don't buy scratch I like their one. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I'm just I'm just saying that takes out the immediacy argument. I've never bought a lottery ticket. I've never bought maybe five scratch offs in my life. Like yeah. on a whim, I'll be at an ATM next to the machine, and I'm just like, I'm having a good day. I feel lucky. Won a couple times, lost a couple times. Nothing yeah. crazy. I lost most of the time. I my dad used to have a my dad had the hardware store when I was a kid. We used to sell lottery tickets in the hardware store, right? So that was a thing that I saw. My dad would give me one scratch off ticket. Mm. Per day, if I did something around the store, yeah, mm. right. So that's why I've, that's about as much scratch off tickets as I ever did in my life. And I was yeah, I don't like kid. gambling really in any. I don't like giving up. Any I don't like money. gambling with money. <laughs> Gamble with other stuff, I guess. So take some risks. I guess I'm the the smart uh, or not the smart the uh, the sucker here, right? Like, I do like to gamble, 
but only if I feel as though I have some control on the outcome of the gambling, right? I don't have any control over so the... So, like, point shaving? You're talking about Yes, well, uh, poker, right? Mm-hmm. Poker, losing money at poker relies on not just me getting bad, good or bad cards, but also me knowing how to play the game and knowing how to read other players, right? There's oh. some skill involved to it. Not, It's not all skill, certainly, but some of it is skill-based. Sports betting. I, sports betting. I'm like every sports fan. Think I know all the answers to every sports thing. Like obviously, when I see it, like, well, of course the Giants are going to win by sixty, right? So sports, I feel like I'm somewhat invested because I know what I'm talking about. If I go to the thing and I'm like, give me a pick six or whatever, and like, here's your numbers. I, I I have no involvement in that at all, right? I have no gear. I can't do anything to help my odds. I can't do anything to play the game. Mm-hmm. That's where the lotto aspect of it has no interest to me because I'm not really doing anything. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, that's it. Uh, Yeah, very good. So let's take a break from that. Let's go to this week's interview. Before we do, though, folks, today, May 15th, Tuesday, if you're listening to it on this day, uh, is time for you to go out and vote for your local Utica school board and our school board budgets. Very important. You guys vote in local elections. If you live in this Utica school district and you want to be a part uh, of what the school board is and who's on it and uh, how it affects you as a parent or a teacher or a student, get out, vote today, May 15th. Very important. And hey, maybe while you're out there, you may or may not want to vote for this week's guest. Uh, GFOP from Utica School Board candidate Brianna Moriarty. I go way back with her. Have a nice 40-minute conversation with her. So listen to this interview. Decide if you like what she has to say. I think you will. She's a great great friend of the show. Uh, and if you want to toss her a couple votes, vote her. Well, one vote one per vote. person. One, yeah. Certainly. <clears throat> None of this vote fixing. You no, I'm just... People I mean, all, a couple votes. What is this, Tammany Hall? I mean, all our listeners <laughs> should vote, and then that's multiple votes. No, don't... Yeah, you can only vote once. That's how voting works, but you know what I mean. Get some votes out there from our listeners. Uh, she's a good folk. Listen to her. Uh, see what you have to... Uh, see what you think. Again, school board election, very important. Not enough people get out to vote for it. Uh, in terms of, like, the amount of people who actually go vote, it's, like, less than a 25% of people who are eligible to vote for school board. Super important, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Let's go to this week's interview with Brianna Moriarty, and we'll be back in just a moment. I end up making coffee for people when they get here. Uh, I'm very particular about my coffee. What'd you get? What you got over here? Um, I have Utica Rose and it's Art of Darkness, which is I haven't my... tried that one yet. Oh my god, Mm-mm. you have to go and ask for it. Mm. They don't always brew it. You have to get it as a pour over. I see. So wait the five minutes. Okay. It is literally the best oh, cup so of coffee I've ever had. You're one of these pour over types. It, only <laughs> when, <laughs> only yeah. when it's been a day for the record books. <laughs> And I need to pick mm. me up. I understand. Uh, I'm actually, my coffee of choice at Utica Coffee Roasters, which I've told to uh, my GFOP there, what, uh, uh, Frank, Frank okay. I, I tell him all the time, uh, 
just give me the southern pecan. Just give me like the recipe and ship it to my house, yes. and I will keep a stash for myself, <laughs> and you'll never have to see me again. We brew that at the office, and yeah, it's my favorite. It's but the great. Art of Darkness is a mix of all of their dark roasts, and it is. Mm. Just the most amazing mm. cup of coffee you'll ever have. See, I get a lot of flack because I like like the Southern Pecan and the flavored stuff a little mm-hmm. bit because I've tried to lean off of putting so much cream and sugar in my coffee, right? So I'm like, all right, well, this is a good way to lean away yeah. from it. But Kevin is like very <laughs> anti-anything in his coffee. So he's just like, I'll pour him a cup of coffee. He's like, is this like some flavored nonsense? No, <laughs> flavor is where it's at. Tell Kevin he uh, needs a re- mm. readjustment. I'll let him know. I'll, okay. I'm sure he'll hear it when you say <laughs> That's it. That's fine. Um... So, a couple things. Uh, one, it is a beautiful Friday here in the city, and uh, coming up this weekend is Mother's Day. But by the time people hear this interview, it will be past Mother's Day. Okay. So you can spoil it. What'd you get your mom for Mother's Day? Did you get her anything? <laughs> she's actually getting the perfume that she's been asking for for two months. <laughs> That's it. She sure. Sure, sure has it. Oh, she got it right. It's good. Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys do anything nice for Mother's Day? Or? Um, at, well, I own a banquet hall, so I'll be working with the public and my mom well, all gonna day. Get, I was going to get into that, actually, because okay. I had a story with that with you. Sure. The last time I think we, I was there... <laughs> Was for some sort of dance event we had when we were in yep. high school. It was, it was winter, winter ball. Winter ball, uh, and I have to say, one of the one of the worst winter balls I've ever been. Not because of the venue, okay. Because of personal things that happened oh, during the event. See. One of like a traumatic experience at that at that winter ball. Um, that would happen to you. So I was working, I was doing the WB thing at the time, uh-huh. I was called the WB guy, if you remember that, that was mm-hmm. a horrible thing that I, existed. Listen, I remember. I'm sad that you remember him, because most people forget, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying People to forget that I've been with Sam since middle school. That's true, so. Gradu- we both graduated the same year, yes. so 04, class mm-hmm. of 04. Yes. Um, and I went to that winter ball, and I brought with me my friend Stephanie, who was the other WB person. She was not my girlfriend, just a friend of mine, mm-hmm. who I had brought with me on this thing, right? <laughs> So I'd asked her about it a couple weeks, a couple months before, and I was like, hey, I got I got this thing. You want to come with me? She said, yeah. <laughs> the night of the winter ball, I'm calling her, I'm calling her. She's not answering. This is like, this, oh. this is the pre-cell phone era, kids. So if you couldn't get a hold of somebody at their house, you're like, uh, interesting. I guess I'll leave a message and wait. And frustratedly... <laughs> So it was like an hour before the dance. I think she got home and realized that she had made this. Oh <laughs> so God. I think I was late to the dance. And then I think I ended up, like, the girl I went with, Ended up with the guy who I also went with, and I ended up with, not like together, but like we ended up dancing with other people for the rest of the evening. It's like it was a, a very weird, like strange time to be alive. Kids don't understand the awkward social nature of dances anymore because they don't like to go. So or they're always on their cell phones. They're always on the, have, you had, have you been to a school dance at all? In the last we night? have proms yeah, coming yeah. up at the restaurant, and I say it all the time. I'm, why aren't you dancing? They're on the phones or they're taking selfies. And we took the kids on a you know we took the kids on a summit last week, uh, the Empire Summit in uh, Albany, New York, for okay. young scholars folks, yeah. right? And uh, we had the uh, kids from the school that they had like a DJ at the end of the night, and they were there from eight to ten. And one of the complaints we got was like, "Oh, the DJ didn't play long enough." It's like, well, yeah, none of you guys got out on the dance floor until nine twenty-seven. Like you waited two hours to get on the floor, and then you got into it for three songs, and then it was over. And you're like, "Oh, well, what the heck?" Well, yeah. you guys were just like mm-hmm. taking selfies for two and a half hours. And you date yourself if you say that you still use Facebook. They look at you like that's true. Uh, I, I throw all sorts of stuff at them. I'm like, "Oh yeah, hit me up on Friendster or, <laughs> or MySpace." Hey, you guys remember yeah. MySpace? <laughs> no, some people. I still. I don't know if I fondly remember MySpace, but MySpace was the thing. Before Facebook existed. Yeah, it was like that, like, freshman year of college. MySpace was big, and then... I'm going to use one of my least favorite phrases that I hear all the time, which is, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people don't remember this. A lot of people don't know this. Do you remember when Facebook first came out, you had to have 
a college email to log into it. Yeah. It was exclusive. You it was were... exclusive because I <laughs> didn't score high enough on the SATs at the time. So I had to go to MV for a year. Yes. And MV was not allowed to have yes. a Facebook. Community. So I had to wait the following year when I went, got into Oneana to actually get a Facebook. Was so it I, everything you hoped? <laughs> it was because I just used at the time. You did the year before. I just used my best friends. But it was now, fine. see, now Facebook has such a negative reputation and it's like so like. <sighs> Like yeah. beguiled in the media that I think people were like I did actually really enjoy it when it first came out. It was kind of nice. And yeah, now, just like everything else. Listen, I still enjoy Facebook. I love social media, any form of it. I've fallen off Facebook a bit. <laughs> a bit. If it weren't for the show, I would be off Facebook in general. I, I just I don't. I find the nature of it to make me angry. I think I think it's because I'm like young and broke and single. So I'm just like I look at it and I'm just like I hate all these people. And the people I don't hate have are just are just like doing better than me. Yeah, I mean, I have to stay on it for the business aspect yeah, of yeah, it. I mean, sure. we have business pages. The law firm I work for, I run their business page. So it's one of those things where you have to have it. And but you know, you scroll through and would you? You got to go in it with a screen. Is that number one for you? If you're if you're ranking your social media platforms, is, is Facebook number one for you? Nobody's ever actually asked me this question before. I'm I'm a master. Yeah. Of Oh, I got to admit, it's, even though oh. the data's been corrupt and people sure are stealing people are. my stuff, I still love Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. If you resign yourself, look, if you're on social media, you need to resign yourself to the fact that all your data is out there already. And but it's been think, out there. And this years. is probably go against what Kev, anything Kevin thinks about, but yeah. because I know he's so anti-Facebook, but... I'm not doing anything wrong. So if you want my data, by all means, it's a great point. It's a great point. I think Kevin General's very private. He just doesn't yeah. really enjoy be. He's more of a Reddit guy. I, I like Reddit as my social media platform because <laughs> it's just like content, and I don't have to actually okay. talk to anybody. Talk to I can just read like content. Oh, of course, Reddit gets off the deep end sometimes. So mm-hmm. You got to be careful where you go. When Facebook gets super political, that's when I just I turn it off isn't, completely. Isn't that the problem? Isn't it everything super political now? Like every platform has become a political. You know. Like, uh, sounding board or soapbox. It has, and everybody's got their soapbox. Everybody has their opinion. I'm very much of of the mind of, you know, everybody has their own opinion. So if you can argue or, or debate yeah. respectfully, sure, I'm okay for you having a different opinion. Mm-hmm. It's when you want to argue with me and just keep telling me that I'm wrong is when I'm I just shut down and say, okay, I'm not even going to try and move you forward. No, I hear you. So. so there we go. We've got some social media content yeah. here. Welcome. <laughs> so we want to welcome Brianna Moriarty on the show. Uh, she is running for Utica School Board. Uh, Utica School Board candidate is your yes. proper title, I proper suppose. Proper title right now. Uh, again, folks, Tuesday, May 15th. Uh, please get out and vote. It's also the budget, I think. It is. Time. You vote for the school board candidates mm. and the budget. Yeah. So cool. again, folks, Tuesday, uh, we'll get into local versus national stuff later. Yes. But it is important to vote in your local elections. Mm-hmm. Please go out on Tuesday if you can. Uh, Brad, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Is this is this is your second? No, I've never been on. No, 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 not on oh. the show. But your second run. Oh God, for, yeah, second yeah. time running. Okay, wonderful. I appreciate that you you you're going again. That you one wasn't enough. Here's the thing. It, <laughs> I still have ideas. I still have yeah. opinions, and I. It's not even that I don't like losing. It was I lost by such a small margin. Sure. And the thing is, is that so many people keep asking me, why do you stick around here? Why are you still in Utica? I mean, my sister lives in the city. I had a cousin that lived out in Colorado. One of my cousins lives out in in Rochester. And you can go anywhere. You're single. You can go do whatever you want. And, I mean, I have a family business here. um, And, like, this is home for me. Sure. And it really was last year and all of the hype around the presidential election and things like that. And 
I don't care what side of the political spectrum you fall, it's if you don't get involved at the local level, sure. you have yeah. no reason to complain about anything. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's something we've hashed on over and over on this show numerous times. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, you know, I think folks who listen to our show know pretty well my stance <laughs> on our current exactly. president and yes. politics. Uh, but I think when you get to local politics, uh, you start to get affected less by hot button issues mm-hmm. and more by practical issues, right? Which is which is probably the way this is all supposed to work anyway, right? Like yeah. <laughs> everything. The else things I'm finding as you, because I call it a political game, because at the yeah. end of the day, this is a game, and and everything's political. I, I try and lead with integrity in mm-hmm. everything that I do, so I always try and keep the best interest of. At the end of the day. Can I still show my face in public? Mm. Mm. And I think I'm doing that. Um, the reason why I chose to run was I have an undergraduate degree in history. I have mm-hmm. a master's in education. I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. I was a substitute teacher for for five years. And it was just at the downturn of where schools were desperate for money. They weren't hiring yeah. um, teachers. And I just said, okay, I got to go get a job that's going to the whole benefits, 401k. It's yeah. time to be an adult thing. And, you know, I started working for an estate planning attorney, and I fell in love with helping the older generation. Sure. But I never left the fact of how can I help the education yeah. section of, you know, whatever. And you know, I think that's a great point, and I want to just jump in on that really quickly yeah. here, because one of the things that I, I heard that for a long time, uh, I, have, uh, I have a history degree from uh, Hunter College, and I'm working on my, uh, master's, yeah, my master's for education here at UC, and... Uh, you know, I think that there there was definitely a time after I had left college where my first time I got my bachelor's mm-hmm. degree where I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to use this. Like, yeah. I think I might just go get a trade job. I might go learn to be, like, a plumber. Right? Do you know what I mean? Well, people look at right. you and say, well, you're getting a degree in history. What are you going to do with that? Nothing. <laughs> at one point I said, well, I can be a lawyer, and then I don't know where that went. So, uh, But for years, like, I had this history degree, and I had families in teaching, and so many years people were like, get out of teaching, get out of teaching, mm-hmm. get out of teaching. I'm actually on the other side of it now. I feel like I'm this far into it. I'm like, I'm going to get into teaching because no one wants to be a teacher anymore. It's and so sooner than true. later, the, everything in life, this is my weird, crazy theory. Everything in life runs on the algorithm. We've talked about this theory before, folks. The algorithm theory. I think that we are in like a time where teaching does not seem like a, uh, a job that it once was, where it used to be a really highly sought after mm-hmm. job where people really wanted it and it was accessible. And I think that it got to a point where it became, you had to invest so much to become a teacher that people started to question, mm-hmm. like, why am I investing this much in this? And now, when on the other side of it, I think, like, pe- teachers are underappreciated, and we're going to see, you know, you look at all the strikes that are going on, oh my you look at, like, the way the education uh, sector is nationally right now, uh, and you think, like, there's going to be a come up. Teachers are going to get tired of this and realize yeah. the power that teachers and educators have. Uh, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough time for people to be down on education. It is, and you know, and the other thing is though is in the people that get down on the teachers that are out there in other states striking. When you actually look at what they're making a year oh versus what they do every day, you know, you're not in their position. So anybody that I wants mean, to I'm, just throw judgment around, yeah. I always. I mean, I work in the education sector, and I am uh, let's call it below the poverty line. For mm-hmm. what I make, right? I don't do this job because I make money. Exactly. I would have stayed at my crummy insurance job that I hated so much if I wanted to make money, but I hated that. I hated every second of being in a cubicle. It's the worst it job. Is, in the world. I, it, it, so I think much. it's that balance thing, and you have to find if you if you find something that you love to do, then mm. you know 
you know, what is the saying? Mm. If you find what you love to do, you don't work a day in your life? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, no, that's a good one. I think one. everybody wants to be independently wealthy, but let's face facts. So I got a couple uh, quotes here from you I want to get into. Ooh. Yeah, I got quotes. Um, quoted. So uh, this was a quote uh, you had said in your news release. A lot of development and excitement in Utica, but in order to retain and attract young families, you need to make improvements within our school district. These improvements will uh, only come to fruition if we have a school board that is accountable, accessible, and responsive to the needs and concerns of teachers, parents, and students. What really uh, I focused on in this quote was the three uh, words you chose, accountability, accessibility, and uh, responsiveness. Mm -hmm. There does seem to be a bit of a disconnect sometimes between the way the public, uh, the the parents and the students see the education sector and the teachers Mm -hmm. and the facilities see it. And it's frustrating sometimes, even from a teacher level, the way the communication works. Yeah, and for me, um, that's what really got got the bug in my ear to run is I have a lot of friends that are teachers. Mm-hmm. I was in the district um, and it was, well, nobody talks to us. And you know, you got 30 kids in a classroom, 19 of them have individualized education plans. And how are you supposed to get them all to pass a state test? Yeah. And when you're in that moment or you're talking to these people and I'm like, well, what is the board doing? Or, you know, what's the state doing? You know, are you fighting? Who's fighting for you? Well, nobody talks to anybody. Nobody talks. We can't get parents engaged. And that was really the thing when it comes to accountability. I don't even, what did I say? Accountability. Uh, uh, accountability, uh, accessibility, and responsiveness. Yeah, the responsiveness is, you know, I was going to these board meetings because I was observing them. Sure. You know, I, I observe everything. I think you can relate as a historian, but, you know, you research everything <laughs> right. before you just jump in. So I was researching and I'd go to these board meetings and I noticed that these parents were talking and these parents were, um, you know, they were asking questions, but they weren't getting any answers. It yeah. was, we had to take it over here or, and I said, well, why aren't there, isn't there once a month, once a month meeting outside of the board meeting yeah. to get these parents involved? And I've heard some people tell me that I'm naively positive <laughs> about getting students engaged or getting God, parents that's a engaged. Very 2018 criticism. <sighs> totally you're, you're positive and, about this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> and here's the thing. Then let me be positive. I'm yeah. 32 years old. You know, I'm young. I'm I'm willing to do the work, and I just want to bring people together. And I really want to start talking to the teachers and the students because they're the ones in it every single day. And what's working, what's not working, and how can we all come together and move forward together? Because I believe if it's more than just me going to New York State to say, hey, this state testing isn't working, Mm -hmm. then I've made some change. What's crazy about the state testing, at least from from my aspect of it, from doing the whole Mm -hmm. education thing right now, is when, when teachers complained about the state testing... The, the state didn't care to hear about mm-hmm. it. When students complained to the teachers about it and then they brought those concerns, the state didn't want to hear about it. It wasn't until the parents were like, we're not signing our kids up for this anymore, that the state was like, all right, finally, we're going to do something. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to talk about mm-hmm. this. But I found it disconcerting how like how little the state <laughs> cared to listen to what the teachers had to say. It is, and 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 that was my number one. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of substitute teaching at Hughes Elementary, mm-hmm. and Joanne Russo was the principal, and God rest yeah. her soul, she was just a plethora of information because I could always go to her and say, Joanne, why? And there'd be times when she could give me the answer, and then there'd be other times when she said, Brianna, I don't know why. And I, 
I never liked that answer because I said people should be helping these kids. And, and I'm not saying that the board isn't. I'm just saying that there's more that can be done. Mm-hmm. Are we utilizing community resources yeah. like the Young Scholars Program? Mm-hmm. Or are we reaching out to UCP? Are we reaching out to the Utica Refugee Center to yeah. really utilize what we have in this area? And it's funny because I was in a forum the other night and this one woman said, well, the Utica City School District isn't a, isn't a community ally. And I was horrified by that because I said, well, what do you mean? Well, we try to get into talks with them and nobody shows up or nobody listens. And I, of course, have to counter that by saying, well, nobody shows up. Well, we get one or two. Yeah. So it's just if we could, you know, this is my second time running. Mm-hmm. I really do want to bring everyone together. Um, you know, the Utica Teachers Association did endorse my campaign. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. No, that's, uh, that's a great honor there. Uh, yeah, and I've, I felt really honored because I come from a family of teachers. And at the end of the day, I just want to help everybody make their job as easy as possible. And I think in my line of work that I do outside of the education is we, me- we measure everything that we do in sure. the office. But it's all measured quarterly. Mm-hmm. Right. not annually. Yeah. So my whole thought process around this, while I do believe students should be assessed, why don't we assess them quarterly to see if they're, if they have the growth that they should have by the end of the year? Yeah. I don't think that's too unreasonable. I mean, we have to go through a lot of that with the stuff. I I have to go through what I do. I do like, God, I do like eight check-ins a year with these kids Mm -hmm. for that. I have to do multiple progress report reviews, multiple, uh, report card reviews, which are frustrating <laughs> and exciting <laughs> in alternate terms, depending on what the well, case. Well, yeah. Um, no, but I think it's what's interesting about that to me. I think is you know you went out last year; it was really close for you. You didn't get the endorsement last year from UTA, did you? I did. You did last year. I so did, this but is they never. Year and again. They never published it. Okay. So. Well, let me ask you. Uh, so that's the question I was kind of curious about. How does that work? Like, did they reach out to you? Did you just get a phone call one day. So what was, happens <laughs> is is there's actually believe it or not there's a process and they actually do a candidate mm. candidate screening. So they invite all of the candidates. You have the ability to show up or you can opt out. Depends. I've always opted in because if somebody wants to talk to me, I'm willing to have to sit down and talk to them. Sure. And um, they liked what I had to say. And a lot of it was just, you know, how can I help you get things accomplished? Sure. And, you know, the one complaint that they did have was, well, nobody wants to talk to us. And I said, okay. Knowing that last year I was running for one seat, this year there's three seats open, but there's six of us running, Yeah, is, um, you know, I can tell you what I'm willing to do, but are you willing to, do you have people you can bring to the table? Yeah. Do you have teachers that are willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work? And they, and, and they do, mm-hmm. and I'm honored to have their endorsement because I met with them and I said, listen, here's what I can tell you. I can't promise change over one year. I can, I can promise you know, incremental changes over the five-year term, mm-hmm. you know, if, depending on the headache that it is, do I run again mm-hmm. if I win after five years or, you know, but I'm not, I wasn't ready to give up. I wasn't ready to just say, well, I, I mean, I, I lost by less than 200 votes. Yeah. Now, mind you, in a population of 60,000 people, only 2,300 came out to vote. Which is always dis- disconcerting in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's a mid, mid-year election. It's in May on a Tuesday. I don't know if that I has anything to do no, with it, you know but... What, though, I swear to God, I think there's something to be said about uh, people's uh, openness and awareness of elections in the post-Trump mm-hmm. era. I think that if there's one thing that I will uh, say about that may be a positive from this whole uh, 
I'll use my words here, nightmare death fiasco that we live in, right? <laughs> this d- dimensional d- like hellhole that I wake up in every morning. Uh, that's the end of my quotes, guys. She didn't say that. It was me. Um, yeah. If there's one thing that comes out of this whole thing, it, I do think that there is an awareness in politics and what's going on that there was not even four, eight, ten, twelve years ago. I think, that, yeah, it's yeah, hyper-aware now. I definitely think it's hyper-aware, and I also think that people know now that if they vote, their voice is going to be heard. Well, I think there's an uptick in the local elections because of that. Because yeah. I don't think people feel like their voices are heard on a national level, right? I, I lived in Brooklyn. I've done that <laughs> thing. I mean, like, I know what it was like to go vote in Brooklyn and be like, well, it doesn't matter because Obama's going to win. I'm, I voted for him anyway, but like, even if I didn't, exactly. he's still going to win, right? So, it, And I, the, yeah. I pride myself that I voted, I voted in every election of any kind <laughs> since yeah. I was 18 years old. I don't know if that's the history nerd in me that's like, nope, it's my civic duty. I have to go do this. So I just, I love it. Yeah. I love, I love, but I love reading up on people. I love, you know, I've never, I'm a, listen, I'm a Democrat, yeah. but I've never voted party. I've always voted person and what they stand for. Yes. Which is why I still have one Republican vote on my, uh, on my record to this day. Mike Galimi. Shout out to GFOP Mike Galimi, the only Republican <laughs> I've ever voted for. <laughs> love you, buddy. Uh, he's a good guy. He um, is. And I actually think I voted for him, but. I, I think a lot of people say. Mike's a good, I, lo- I love Mike. I love his family. Um, but here's the thing. He's another young person that is trying to move this area forward. But that's what I'm talking and about. And that's positive. On the local level, I don't feel as concerned not voting party lines because I feel like I know these people, mm-hmm. right? Where when it gets to something higher than that, it becomes more of a... It does, else. but... You know. uh, well, that's something else. Uh, before we get into anything else, I want to just... Uh, I saw one of your flyers on here that I wanted to go over really quickly. Okay. And again, folks, Tuesday, May 15th, get out there, vote. Uh, so you had four promises that were listed on your uh, on your advertisement. I'm going to go through them very quickly. Yes. Uh, bring fresh perspectives and insight to district operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, advocate for the state funding Utica deserves. Uh, enhance transparency and accessibility for parents and taxpayers. And ensure teachers have the resources needed for our student success. I assume you mean uh, books and rulers and not uh Artillery, right? Yeah. Not, you're not gonna. They're not gonna give me those guns they keep talking about, right? I don't want to. Yes. Wanna, However, but, school safety is a hot topic. It um, is a hot topic. It's a hot topic. Um, you know. Do you think there's something to be said about like we went to Proctor? We grew up in that era when people had this incredibly like negative feeling about Proctor and Proctor oh my, students, and I never understood it, and what? it makes me angry. <laughs> so, so can I tell a quick story? Yes, please go ahead. Um, so I was a I was on the cheerleading squad, mm-hmm. and I. Remember walking into, I think it was one of the Syracuse schools. Maybe it was CBA. It was yeah, one of the fancier okay. Syracuse schools. Yeah. And the cheerleaders, the, the cheerleaders asking us if we had knives in our sneakers. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. me, I've never gotten in a fight in my life. Mainly because I can trash talk, but I, I don't know. No, I sure, can't sure. throw a punch. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, and I remember being fascinated by that. Even at... 17 years old in high school being fascinated that people would ask that question and even now more so because I think you know as you Mm. leave the area I went you know I went to Oneonta for college it's not that far away but I still met people from all different types of walks of life is you realize how sheltered some people are and they just go off of stereotypes (laughs) so so many people say oh well you know Utica district well I'm a product of the Utica district and I'm doing very well for myself and I'm successful I have you know I, I I have a job I love. I work with people that I love. And 
You know, so I don't believe in the negative stigma. I believe if you're going to complain, you're part of the problem. See, I was too much of a jerk. I dated a girl from New Hartford when I was in high school, and her friends were terrified of all my friends, and I would lean into it. I'm like, oh, dude, you, know you, don't, want, you don't want to come to South Utica. It's hard down there. You don't want to come to <laughs> the mean streets of South Utica. You don't want so, to. That makes me laugh because I know all of your friends. Yes, no, we were not. So Sam and I had the same circle of friends, and it's just funny when people would think, that, like, they were threatened by us. Yeah, a lot of those guys like firemen and cops now. <laughs> it's like they're so tough. I'm like really, we were partying in someone's backyard. Like what? I, you know, I, I have to admit, like I, I said it before. I had friends who went to Whitesboro, I had mm-hmm. friends who went to New Hartford, I went to friends who went to uh, Proctor, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, all these places. I will say this, and I feel good about it. When I went to New York City, I was <laughs> not at all concerned or surprised by what I found in the streets in terms mm-hmm. of what everyone around me looked like, acted like, where they were from, what they were about. I would see people come visit me in New York and be visibly confused at the world around them. Like, it seemed like it's foreign country to them. You and know what? It, it, I give Proctor all the credit. You're spot on because my my sister and I went to Proctor. Teresa actually lives in New York. Mm-hmm. And we're not really shaken by anything. Mm-mm. And the thing is, is I actually, one of the attorneys I worked with was just telling me her husband teaches in Clint. And she said, we just attended a school board meeting and they're concerned about their kids not knowing enough about diversity. Yeah. And <laughs> they should be. <laughs> and here's me, it's 2018. How do you not you know know what it's And then you look around and you realize, you know what? No, nope. you got to look at life through their lens and they don't know. No, because they cuz kids are not social anymore. <laughs> they're so not. <laughs> that's such a yeah. huge uh, yeah, that's like a whole Me, thing. I could walk up to a stranger on the street and just start talking cuz like, what's your story? What's your deal? Like, what's going on? And do you wonder if people a, look at me funny? Do you think it's a generational thing? Because I look at, like, the like five years ahead and behind us uh, in terms of kids mm-hmm. and graduating classes. And it was sort of that pre-internet, post, like, 90s nostalgia era. And it was sort of an interesting time. Like, I remember talking on the, on the actual landline phone Yeah, line, or right? when you had to get off the computer because your mom had to make a phone call. Yeah, the dial-up stuff. The, it, there were limits to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I and now, I, I think it's like anything else, right? I always, this is a weird analogy I always make. Mm-hmm. My grandfather once told me, he lives up in North Utica, mm-hmm. that, when he, um, that when he got his house, when he built his house up there, he was the only house on that area. And mm-hmm. then over however many years, 50, 60 years, right? The whole neighborhood built up around Yeah. Him, right? And then, and, but, but I think about that all the time. Like, that's amazing. But, like, if you're a kid who was born in the last 10 years, everything was already built, mm-hmm. right? That's sort of the way the technology works. We sat there and we saw cell phones and the computers come or build up around us and the world around us embrace this new yeah. technology. But my nephew is nine. Mm-hmm. All he knows is a world where this is the world, right? Like, it's, yeah. I don't blame him for being distracted by technology because it's all that we've It's ever all that given. they know. And so I have nieces, um, my niece Gianna, I love her to death. And she's like, B, you know, oh, he didn't do something on Snapchat. And I said, what? Put the phone down. Like, Here's my advice to you, Gianna. Put the phone down and I, everything will be fine. I have to be harsh to my kids. Like I have kids in my class who are not doing as well as they should. Mm-hmm. And I'll be working on English or something. I'll be like, work on that English paper. Oh, and I'll be working on it. And then like 10 minutes later, he'll be like, oh, oh, Mr. Sam, yo, I got to tell you this story about Fortnite last night. I'm like, do not tell me a story about Fortnite. I don't care. That's I'm like not a new trying thing. to be mean to you. And this is my new slogan for the last two weeks of school. And they, they are so annoyed. I'm like, I don't care if you hate me. <laughs> I want you to do well. 
if you hate me and you have A's, then my job is done. <laughs> that, I, that I've completed my job. I don't care. I'm not here to be your pal. And they yeah. are not happy with me. <laughs> I used to sub in this fifth grade class at Hughes all the time. And I had this one kid that always told me, Miss M, how come we got to learn how to... They were learning cursive. Miss M... How do we gotta oh learn? God. Why do we gotta learn to write cursive? I said because I said, and he at the time he wanted to be a rapper. Yes. And I said so. I said so that you can sign your autograph. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He never <laughs> asked me again why he needed to learn cursive. Yeah, well, you know what though? They're right though because they stopped teaching him cursive. It's, no, one, none of them know cursive anymore. Exactly. And listen, this is my argument all the time. <laughs> cursive is not about hassling your kids to learn their signatures. It's about fine motor skills. Exactly. It's not about what you think it's about. Oh, it's all a scam. It is. They're trying to <laughs> they trick really you do think it. No, they have no idea what it's really about. Well, it's not math or science. I've tried to do that for them, too. Well, that's the other issue, too, is we've really... I grew up... I was a pretty good student, for Mm -hmm. the most part. I was not a great student, because I did not apply myself. (laughs) I was one of those kind of kids. I I grew up with parents who were teachers, and I was relatively smart, Mm -hmm. for the most part. And up until college, never had to apply myself. But the parts of school that I did love, right... Like my my history, my arts, my uh, my gyms, my extracurricular stuff, my drama club, my music, mm-hmm. like all that stuff was facilitated by being in school, right, and being part of it. And now I, I even ask my kids today, I was like, hey, how many of you guys like read for fun or yeah. like play instruments with your friends? Mm-hmm. And they're looking at me like, what are these words you oh, speak? Yeah. Is this is that some sort of app? You know what I mean? I'm like, no. Yeah, and they and they <laughs> wonder too. Like, so I mean, when I was in school, it was. I tell everybody, I think it's a mantra of mine now, is that I was never a strong math or science student. Oh. Mm. So I had to struggle. My parents got me tutors. I passed all my regents exams. I have a regents high school diploma. Mm. You know, shout out to Mr. Martarella, who was Word. at my house every Sunday, <laughs> uh, both math and, and science. Um, and, you know, it, it was one of those things where you got excited to go to band. Yeah. Or, you know, but then again, it was cool because all your friends were in it. So it was just do one you, of those things where, but you're, but you I also that? put a lot on the parents though, because my parents said, you have to have a my well-rounded education. Yeah. My parents were involved. I mean, my mother said to us, you're going to college. It's part of it. I mean, we didn't, but I had to apply myself because. I mean, I'm not here to, to rat on parents and kids. But like no, when not I at have, all. But I don't want I'll it to sound this, like though. that. I have kids in my class mm-hmm. who are very smart, doing very well. Mm-hmm. They've missed 18, 19, 20, 22 days of school. Mm-hmm. And when the parents, and when we call the parents about it and they say, well, her grades are good and I told her she could stay, so why are you calling me? Mm-hmm. You've, in, you've inherently cut your legs out of the teacher. Like, this kid no longer takes me seriously mm-hmm. because they don't have to, right? Like, and, yeah. it's, and it becomes a problem because, like, it's very easy for the parents and teachers to sort of, like, point the fingers at each other and be like, well... They're not helping them enough in class. And it's like, well, you're not helping them enough at home. And then it becomes less about the kid and more about the dialogue. It becomes right? a he said, she said battle. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, comes from, and that's where the accountability comes mm-hmm. in. I believe that everybody should be held accountable. But I hold myself to a high standard of accountability. So I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And if I don't do it, then you're going to hear why I own the reason why yeah. I didn't get it done. Yeah. But when it comes to, I mean, you know, we're not that old. But even back in the day, like if I went Thank to... You for saying that. We're not, listen, we are not that old. I tell everybody that. We're not that old. Um, you know, but if I had an issue at school, you know, my parents took the side of the teacher. Yeah. And I'm not yeah, saying, sure. you know, and there's good kids out there and I don't want to make it sound like we're, and there, you know, but 
you know, shout out to all of my teachers that, I mean, it was Mr. Barker in high school that made me want to go be a social studies teacher. There's always, we I mean, always go back to like, there's always one or two teachers, yeah. you know, and I don't expect kids to like every teacher they have, too. That's the other misnomer. But what's stopping like, them in 10 years is they see yeah. you like on the street to come and say, Mr. Sam, you're the reason why I went and did X, Y, Z. I would hope that that would happen. Uh, but I, I, at this point in time, I'd have to do a little more work, I feel like. They probably just think I'm that weird bearded guy. Well, I'm naively positive, so. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, all right, so I got to ask you this question just okay. because, um, you know, I've talked about this with Anthony Bernissi when he's been on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are doing local election type stuff, the people you're running against tend to be people you deal with and know all the time. Yeah. So you are running against, uh, is it Joseph Obica, Anthony Lapola? Do you, have you, what's your communication level in these So guys? there's there's six of us running. So mm-hmm. there's Anthony Lapola, Joe Hobica Jr., Don, Don Dawes, Dawes, who's the incumbent. Yeah, Michael Paul. Mike, uh, nope, nope, James W. Paul. James W. Paul. And Hanka Garbovica. Okay. Um, and, you know, you see these people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually friends with Don's daughter. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Anthony Lapola and I, we're friends. We run in the same social yeah. circle. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, for the most part, I think we all treat each other with a level of respect that, I mean, we've done... So the difference between last year's election and this year's election is that there's so many more community groups that are interested in wanting to hear from us. Mm-hmm. Last year, I only spoke at the South Utica um, Neighborhood Association. Yeah. That's the only people that invited us in. And then this year, there was a East Utica Forum, a, um, the South Utica Forum's happening on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonderful. And then there was the Citizens Action Group that they mm-hmm. did a phenomenal job. They, I mean, they gave me a gold microphone to talk into. So oh, I, there you go. <laughs> I, I was like, what are we doing? This is so exciting. Um, and then there was one in Corn Hill. Yeah. And it's just, for me, listen, there's a, there's a flip of a coin here. It mm. could go 50-50. It could go either way, yeah. win or lose. But what was really, you know, made me feel good is that there's more people mm-hmm that are interested in this yeah. this year. And I don't know if it's because there's more people involved, mm. there's more candidates running, but to see the community come out and want to actually hear from us mm. shows me that I can be naively positive yeah. because there are more people that are interested in our school system and in our children. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Again, folks, let's say it again, May 15th, get out there. Polls are open 12 to 9. Yes, that's right. It's in-service day, I think, so I actually oh, got the hey. day off to go vote. I there you go. Mind. Uh, so let me see. What else did I have here before I? I know we've gone way past what I told you you had to do, so I apologize about Listen, that. Listen, I um, could talk all day, but <laughs> that's not why we're here. <laughs> uh, so let's see here. Okay, so I guess like one last question, then we'll get to our lightning round. Okay. Uh, as we mentioned, this is your uh, second attempt mm-hmm. to run for this. What's the biggest lesson you feel like you've learned between last year and this year? <sighs> the biggest lesson I've learned is. That's a really good question. The biggest lesson I've learned is that um, people show up. Mm. Um, people will show up for you mm. if you go out and you talk to them. Yeah. You gotta talk to people. Yeah. Um, I'm walking a lot more neighborhoods than I did previously. Um, I've seen parts of Utica that I haven't visited in years. Yeah. Um, and the re- the the reaction's been good. So mm. I, the more you talk to people the more likely you are to get more, well, obviously you're going to get more feedback, but you're going to get a lot more, um, a lot of our issues are the same across the board. Yes. 
I think once you start to talk to people, you realize more and more wh- where the connecting points are. Mm-hmm. When it's not something silly, right? Yeah. When it's something that actually matters to everybody. Mm-hmm. You find out where that connective tissue is much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, again, folks, May 15th. Uh, where can people go? Website? Is there a Twitter, Facebook kind of thing? Um, so I have a Facebook page yeah. that is, uh, I think it's Brianna Moriarty for Utica School Board. It's okay. a page. I'll link everything on. Yeah, it's not my personal page. I keep that. I actually do keep that private if sure. we're not friends. Sure. Um, but that's where I'm posting the videos and um, the UTA is posting when they're doing phone banks. And sure. um, that's kind of where people can ask me questions. If you want to private message me, I will do my best to answer you. Wonderful. Mm. So. Very nice. And uh, before I let you head out today, uh, we have some lightning round questions. Okay. These are the same uh, five to seven questions we ask everybody who's been on the show for the last, I don't know, 120 episodes, something like that. I forget <laughs> when we started doing it. Uh, yeah, this is episode 151. In case you're wow. Curious. I know. This is how old I am. It's like 100, oh my God. 151 straight weeks, and it feels like <laughs> I just play every week. I'm like, I'm done. I'm, that's it. I'm tapping out. Uh, all right. So, uh, Brianna Moriarty, uh, when you wake up in the morning, okay. how do you take your coffee? Um, flavored, uh, just a touch of flavored creamer. Flavored creamer. Just yeah. make the, co- just change the color of the coffee. What's your favorite, what's your flavored creamer of choice? Um, it's Italian sweet cream by Coffee Mate. Yep. Yep, I have that one. I have the it's the best. I have one. the little one though, the little white organic style bottle one. I'm talking about like yes, the fancy I do know one. what you're talking about. Yeah, because you can still have it with a southern pecan, and it yes. doesn't change the flavor of yes. it. Yes, it's very true. It's a great <laughs> point. It's an astute point. Uh, what was your first automobile? Okay, it was a, <laughs> um, I think it was a 1998 Chrysler Cirrus. Chrysler Cirrus is that like a yeah. sedan? I don't know. It was a car. My, it was a two-door was, car or like a... No, it was a four-door car. Okay. It was a high school graduation present from my parents. That's not bad. How long did you drive that thing? Um, Four years, and then I got a Prius for college graduation. Oh, you're a Prius type. Okay. Yes. Very good. Good for the environment. I you would may, admit why I'm a yeah. Prius type, but people would judge me. <laughs> you may or may not uh, You may or may or not have taken your 98 Chrysler to go see it, but what was your first live music event? Do not laugh. It was Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, and Nassau Coliseum. I wouldn't laugh. With my at that. sister. Listen, I because my parents wouldn't allow me to go to concerts. <laughs> that's that's funny. I got that one too. That one got, I got that one when I was a kid. I was fifteen and I got banned from going to see Green Day. Yeah, I was like, nope, you can't go. My parents would not let me go see concerts, so yeah. my sister my sister got tickets for Christmas. You know what's funny? I, a lot of my kids at school, like my middle school kids, yeah. listen to like these boy band type things. There's a few. Yeah. They're not as popular as obviously Insync and Backstreet mm-hmm. Boys were. I think a lot of that is just there's way more content now. Like back then, there was only so much yeah. stuff that you were like paying attention to, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that makes me angry. God, I've, I've gone on my soapbox about this so many times. Listen, but it's all right. In 2004, 2003, if you went out to the parking lot at Proctor. There's a good chance that like 75%, 80% of the kids are listening to the same albums, right? Yeah, it's totally. all like 50 Cent, yes. 8 Mile soundtrack, yep. like pop music, whatever. Oh uh, my friend Jim Graff just playing Sean Paul constantly. Yeah. He loved Sean Paul. Uh, shout out to 50 Jim. Cent was like... Everywhere. It was the soundtrack, I think, of our senior year. I don't know if that album holds up for the general public, but when I hear it still, oh. I still get hyped for it. Yeah. I can't, I can't help it. Brought back to the very certain places and memories <laughs> in high school uh, when you hear yeah. 50 Cent. And I think Backstreet Boys specifically, Backstreet Boys Sync, that era of music very much makes me think of like MTV TRL, oh. like when people were like calling in to like Carson reference Carson Daly. I loved him. I had such a crush on him. He's still around. He's still on TV? I know, but it's not the same when you watch him on the Today Show. No, it's not the same. It's not TRL at 3.30 in the afternoon. No one's screaming, like, <laughs> <laughs> screaming bloody murder about yeah. Britney Spears' new video. Exactly. Uh, all right, so give me a similar, uh, same sort of line of question. Give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. 
Um, the current book I'm reading is um, You're a Badass at Making Money. Hmm. Smart. It's just a nonfiction type book, then. Yes. You're not binging any television shows? I'm usually, this is, my, this is where I steal shows from people. Usually. You know what? I, no, I'm so lame like that. I literally pay for Netflix to rewatch Friends. Friends. Uh, you know what? I do that with uh, Friends, Parks and Rec, The Office. Cheers. There's another one that I've seen all the way through that I would just put on if I'm doing stuff around the house. I just, it's, Friends yeah. is my time. I put it on when I don't want to think about anything. Friends and is... And it's just there. Yo, can I say something about Friends? And it's Friends? still funny. Friends is hilarious. It's still funny. Don't get me wrong. I think it's still really, really funny. And I, <laughs> I watched it when it was on. I watched it again as I got older. What I did notice this last time I watched it, mm-hmm. it's a very... Um, sexy show it's a lot of like yeah yeah it's dirtier than i gave it credit yes. for and i was just like watching it, i was like wow i didn't it's not even that too and, and then you realize like some of the things that they say how they if it was on tv now they would have shut it down oh yeah so quick that's well that happens to anything from like that certain you could go back to like any well i was gonna say the cosby show but you can't even watch the cosby no, show no, anymore but like geez. you go to any like 80s 90s sitcom and there's probably at least one or two things that would have been considered unsavory mm-hmm. and i think that's just the the progression yeah. of time, right? The Crown. I watched The Crown. Oh, Crown. Okay. I'm a huge, yeah. like I said earlier, I'm a huge history mm. nerd. So watching The Crown was literally the best show on Netflix. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a tough one. People struggle with this one sometimes. Uh, if you could have dinner uh, with any person, living or dead, who is not your family, who would it be? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, really. Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. I love him. <laughs> I've read his had... book. <laughs> I love. You, I quote him all the time, mm. and I know that people say he had a terrible reputation. But I've read his book twice, and just, I just, I would love to ask him so many questions. Wonderful. I think he was taken way too soon, but. Oh, yeah, well. I mean, there's, and then Hitler, like, I did, my whole senior thesis mm. was all about Adolf Hitler and oh, the final yeah, solution. Yeah. So, I know, people look at me strange yeah. like that, but there's so many questions that were left unanswered. You know what's weird about, to me, I have a, sort of a, not the same kind of thing, but like, I took Latin American history in college that's my if you that my, was your like chunk? my major is history in college that was but mine my specific like thesis and final project was based around 20th century latin american revolutions particularly really? in nicaragua yeah yeah nicaragua the sandinistas um the samosas and like what See, happened i tried to say wait that was like what i did the least in and then the most i did was um World history, and I focused on um, World War Two. I tried to get away from American history for a while. Because so I, I, I've been in enough schools to know that they Listen, teach actually, World War Two for like nine and a half years. Th- I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, are we still talking about this? <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys! There's like yeah. a whole, there's a whole Cold War that yeah. happened after this. But now, you know, like, like, I, I'm yeah. still desperately trying to get Hamilton tickets. Oh well, there you go. Because I've done research on him before. Oh, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. I want to right. see that so bad. Well, I get back to like the Nicaragua thing is like I thought it was really fascinating. I'm reading about oh, the Sandinistas, yeah. and then now in the current landscape of the of Nicaragua, like this guy Daniel Ortega, who I read about in like the 2000s and in the 70s, he was considered mm-hmm. like a folk hero. Now he's like this hated despot. Right. I'm like wow, I gotta like reshift my narrative mm-hmm. on this guy. Uh, yeah, so. Remember, folks, history is alive. It doesn't just happen. It changes it, it, all the time. Yeah. Um, all right, so last but not least, this is, uh, I have two last questions for okay. you. One is very specific okay. uh, for you. We are almost getting up on that 15-year graduation anniversary. Oh, why do you got to bring this Because I'm just, I didn't go to the last one. I didn't go to, I don't We didn't go. have one. Did we not have one? We did not have one. Good, because I'm not going. And I don't know how much we ought to get into it on the podcast, but I think I was the one that canceled it. Did you cancel it? <laughs> Smart, as well, because... I, I couldn't get any buy-in from anybody, and I finally said, fine, we're not doing this. I don't think that we're, like, a 
reunion generation. The how can, here's the thing. How can you be a reunion generation when I still know what everybody's doing from high school because I see them on social yes. media? And I'm very happy. Everyone that's having children and getting married, congratulations. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on eHarmony. I mean, it's fine. But, you know, I, but here's the thing. I mean, I don't really know if the, our generation and beyond are actually reunion type people no, until we get to like our 30, 30 or 40. Yeah, 40. Even then, I feel like I'm going to be old. I'm just going to want to be like, I'm just going to come here and look at all these people. Look at all these people. Yeah. Uh, all right. And last but not least, final question before I let you go. Um, besides uh, being part of the community, education, your family, give me one more thing that you, Brianna Moriarty, school board candidate, are passionate about. Um, I'm passionate about the environment. Mm, very nice. I think it's something that we definitely need to start focusing more attention on. And mm. um, it's concerning, the things yeah. that are happening, the fact that seasons are lasting for as long as they are. Yes. and. Things are changing, and it's and you wonder if anybody's paying attention. Are you not enjoying our two weeks of seventy degree weather that we're going to get before it turns into ninety degrees and humid mess for the next two months? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting that this is what's become of like weather in mm-hmm. state of New York. It's it's freezing cold until May, and then you'll get a couple weeks where it's nice, and then it's oppressively hot. Yeah. And then it's cold again. But I'm one of those ones that if you are going to complain that it's humid, then. I have an issue with you because we get oh, no. snow for so long. I'll show you that, after this. Um, I, one of my kids made a comic about this on the board <laughs> one day. It was just like a kid walking. He's like, oh, it's so hot. I wish it was snowing again. And then another person hits him with a book. It's <laughs> like, stop. It's just like, no. It's really good. Because that's what you have yeah. to do. You have to just tell people, listen, we've had 10 months of snow. I don't care how humid it gets this year. I'm Put your hair in a ponytail and move on. Uh, Bree, best of luck uh, on Tuesday. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, get out there and vote Tuesday, May fifteenth. Uh, again, I hope it works out. I hope you. Uh, I, hope I hope so too. People come out. I hope. I think we're gonna get. <laughs> I think in general we're gonna get more people to come out. I think again. I think there's something to be said mm-hmm. about people are paying more attention than they were last year. And that's all I can ask for. And I can ask for everyone's vote. And you know, I hope that I can get on. And I hope that I can affect some change. Bree, thank you very much. We appreciate it, uh, folks. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. there and vote get out there and vote folks uh utica school board candidate uh by the time you hear this maybe she'll have won who knows i'm hoping she won i'm doubling down on the fact that she won that's why i brought her on the show this week come on she can i give her credit because last year she lost by less than 200 votes and Mm -hmm. i can think that from my perspective Mm -hmm. that would be like rough for me i'd be annoyed it's tough yeah when you come close i one of the things that i like um i've had you know it's nice to live in an area that's small enough for you to have convert like real conversations with people running for office yes and i told her one time when i was speaking to her one of the most encouraging things is that you know win lose or draw it makes me really happy to see people that are younger yes. getting out there and running for for office and trying to get in trying to change things up you know people that were raised here and people who are old enough to do it instead of waiting until they're 50 55 years old Hmm. get in get involved right now you know because like we said there's only so many people that go out and vote elections are winnable and it seems crazy because i think sometimes we forget that like we're we're fully grown now 
and we can run for office if we want to do that. So my hat's off to, to Brianna and all the other young candidates going out and getting involved and trying to wrest control of this area away from all the <laughs> angry old folks. That's true. It's important. The youth is going to be on our side. I hope. I hope. All right, let's get into this week's history lessons. <laughs> uh, and I have, we went longer than I thought for the first uh, section and for the interview. So I'm going to try and go through these a little faster than normal. I'm sure you guys are very pleased to hear that. Uh, and Kev, we were just talking about prohibition. Here's an interesting prohibition one for you. On this day, 1932, during the height of the Great Depression, uh, 100,000 uh, 100, people in New York City uh, showed up to protest prohibition for the We Want Beer Parade taking place in New York. Uh, New York Mayor and Commiserate Showman Jimmy Walker led a Beer for Taxation march, which popularly became known as the We Want Beer Parade through the streets of the city. Uh, quote, this parade will furnish the best count of noses I can think of, much better than the passing of revolutions or the writing of letters to representatives in Congress. Um, estimated 100,000 people turned out to show their distaste for the 18th Amendment and their love for beer. So, uh, Kev, I'm just throwing this out here. You guys should really get up on this We Want Beer Parade for Saranac. You guys should Ooh, make this a thing. The a We Want idea. Beer Saranac Parade. I like that. I know that's more work for you, probably. <laughs> just want to come down and do it. Why don't you come down? Why don't you come down? Why don't you file to get the permits? Why don't you pay for the porta potties? Why don't you shut down all the streets? Why don't you I'm spend just, all the money? Just idea, come down Sam. and have your own parade. I'm just popping out content here for you. Just trying to help you guys out. Pass it along to your HR guy, your yeah, marketing team. What's that? The HR people marketing, don't sign your marketing up team. I don't know. What goes on at that school? All right. I just, I'm sorry, I just wanted to share some of the signs that people were holding. Never say dry, which is hilarious. And open the spigots and drown the bigots, which is a great poster that I need for my room. <laughs> I'm going to hang it in my house. Uh, all right, that's it. On this day in 1998, uh, David Wells, New York Yankees pitcher, pitched a perfect game against the Minnesota Twins. I know because I was there. Kev, were you there? I was there. We were I both there. I don't know where I was. A lot of you Utica folks who were in South Utica Little League around that time, you also may have been there. This was a big mm -hmm. South Utica Little League field trip. It was a big outing, yeah, all like dads and kids and everything. There were a ton of us there. Yes. <laughs> There were 49,820 fans in attendance, uh, including all the Utica, uh, Utica, South Utica Little League players. Uh, Wells retired 27 batters, took two hours and 40 minutes. Wells claimed in a 2001 interview uh, that he threw the perfect game while being hungover. Uh, Jimmy Fallon in 2018 uh, backed that up, saying that he, Seth Meyers, and Wells had attended an SNL after party until 5.30 in the morning the night before the game. So... A lot of respect for David Wells. Um, yeah, I thought that was a big moment in my life that I wish I was older to appreciate when I saw it. Because I'm sure it was exciting when it happened. I definitely remember being very excited. But now, as like a 32-year-old, it would feel much more impressive to like see something like that happen. I'd really understand the gravitas, I guess. Or it's just sports, so there's really only so much gravitas you can feel. <laughs> No, nah, I wouldn't trade it. Nah? Nope. Like it better as a young man? What, what would I care? I could just because I'm older? No, you're, you're never going to care about baseball like you care about it when you're 10, 11, 12 years old. That's true. I would I never did. trade back running around the stadium. It was Beanie Baby Day. They it was gave Beanie out those Beanie, Beanie Babies running around with all my friends from Little League just raising hell all over the stadium. Then, like, the dads <laughs> were paying more attention, started to get more excited as it got later, and they made everybody sit down and watch it. They were that day. So it was going to be history. Yeah, that was way cooler than going to see it now, where I'd be all jaded and cynical and wait to see what Twitter had to say before I could make my own opinion about it. No thanks. I got hugged by a stranger Jeez. during that day, so, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, 
Also on this day, well, on the next day, 1998, it was the last episode of Seinfeld on NBC. At the time, 30-second commercial spots were going for approximately $1 million, making it the first time ever in American television history that a regular primetime television series commanded at least $1 million per ad. On the original American broadcast, 76.3 million people tuned into the finale. It's the fourth most watched overall season finale in the United States after MASH, Cheers, and The Fugitive. Um, I think a lot of people didn't like the Seinfeld finale. I think the general consensus is that most people thought it was kind of mediocre. I thought it was pretty funny, actually. I remember like coming home being very excited to watch it. I I mean, I've, I've watched it when reruns now. I never watched it when it first came, like when it was out. I was too young to kind of like understand how funny it was at the time. But it's pretty funny. Uh, well, it was such a thing when people talked about it. Uh, it got really polarizing reviews, right? Uh, people felt that the finale portrayed the main characters as people who had no respect for society and for mocking the audience. I mean, if you watch the show, like the whole basis of Seinfeld... Is that the main <laughs> characters don't have any respect for society. Yeah. Even a little bit. Well, that's the whole... I mean, the show was a show about nothing. They didn't care about anybody but themselves. They were like selfish, like single folks living in like New York doing their thing. Like, I don't know what you are looking for. Uh, although creator Larry David has stated there was no regrets about how the show ended, a 2010 Times article noted that the Seinfeld reunion that they did during Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 7 was viewed by many as his attempt at a do-over. I don't necessarily know if that's true. I just think it, if it's very funny, if you've never seen it before, it's quite worth the watch. But again, I think the Seinfeld finale was good for what it was. I don't know why people didn't like it. I think it's important to remember that like people don't watch TV in the way that they did back then. Like 76 million people watching a television show is... Yeah. Like, in unfathomable. Today. Plus, I do know people. People love to be mad. Yes. <laughs> people love to be mad. Um, this is a, just a funny thing I thought was pretty uh, pretty interesting. In 2011, um, Julie Louis Dreyfus was on the last. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. She was in the last David Letterman show, and they were doing the last top ten. Uh, and she thanked David Letterman for quote letting her take part in another hugely disappointing series finale Aww. while Jerry Seinfeld sat right next to her with faux chagrin on his face. Good times. She's a comedy legend. All right, on this day in 1999, uh, the Backstreet Boys' third studio album, Millennium, is released in the U.S. Uh, it is highly It was a highly anticipated follow-up. It sold 11 million records in 1999, became one of the best-selling albums of all time, it was nominated for five Grammy Awards and spawned four top 40 singles. So, That's crazy. which of the four top 40 singles can you guys name? I have them listed. Can you name any of the top 40 songs the Backstreet Boys released off of this album? Heather. I, I want it that way. Yes, that's one for sure. I want it that way. The lead single. It was one of the Backstreet Boys' most successfully commercial, uh, commercially successful songs and is often regarded as their signature song. So there you go. That was number one. Glad I could help. That's all I got. Okay, have you want to take a shot in the dark on any of these? I got nothing for you. How about Larger Than Life? Remember that oh, one? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That makes you larger than life? Mm -hmm. right, uh, show me the oh, meaning. Oh, excuse me, back it up. Back no, no, what was that? How does that one go? How does that one go? Was that it? I don't know. I don't remember. I think that's it. All I remember is the one line. And that makes you larger than life. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, it's all right. It's a hit. I like songs. I don't have a problem with the Backstreet Boys. Nobody said anything. All right, two more. You just stay silent and he'll get up and say, what? I like it. And nobody said you couldn't. Show me the meaning of being lonely was the other one. Remember that one? Yeah. That one I don't care for. That's a little heavy-handed. 
Uh, and then, of course, The One, which is the only one on here that I don't remember. That's the one I'm not super familiar with. But uh, there you go. Backstreet Boys. I think it was popular for, like, obviously it was popular if in 99 for me as 13 to, like, hate on the Backstreet Boys. But as I get older... Hard to deny, like, a good pop song is a good pop song. I can't really get, I can't really get so, that's it's definitely an old person thing to me, right? I just don't care anymore. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, and finally, on this day, well, let's skip this one. On this day, 2009. History's canceled. I know. <laughs> uh, the first, the video game Minecraft is first released to the public. Um, I had a whole thing about Minecraft, but I thought it was, the only thing that's really important is this. Uh, as of January 2018, it has sold over 144 million copies, making it the second best-selling video game of all time, which is crazy to me. Like, I, I'm i a video gamer, and I understand that Minecraft exists, but I feel like it's crazy to me that that would be the second highest-selling video game ever made. It's not for you. You're an old. I am an old. Yeah, you're an old now. But the number one best-selling video game of all time is an old-person game. What's that? that? Tetris. Oh, no, no, Tetris. no, no. Tetris, Tetris is an everybody game. Tetris has also been out for like 40 years. Yes. That's you know true. what I mean? So, how many different like reboots and reissues have they had of Tetris? If you count all of the numbers, of course it's number one. That's a good point, I guess. Yeah. Tetris is also an, uh, it's, it's like a mental challenge. I like Tetris. Tetris is I like an interesting Tetris. video game to play. I still play it. It's pretty simple. It's just like keep going until you lose. It's more of a brain exercise. Actually, I dislike Tetris. Really? I do, yeah. No good, huh? Never liked Tetris. Huh. That's fine. My sister will be mad when she hears that, but I get it. That's fine. Let her know. Call me up. Keep it for those violent video games we were talking about yeah. from the first segment. No, I, I just prefer... No, I like simple video games, but, like, simple video games that are more than just, like, ColecoVision. So this was... The, well, this was the argument I had with my nephew about Minecraft, which is why I even put this story up in the first place. He's, like, he's like talking to me... Because he likes Minecraft, and I played video games with him not too long ago, and I played Minecraft with him, and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I understand how video games work. So I know how to move around with the controller, so I'm just basically walking around, like, hitting trees with a hammer or whatever you do in Minecraft, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, why don't you like this? And I'm like, because I'm from a different era. I prefer my video games to have, like, a, a beginning and end, right? Like, I want to move from the left of the screen to the right of the screen or from forward to back and get somewhere and fight a boss. Like, I these a lot of these, like, young games for kids where they build, it's very, there's no point to them necessarily besides just playing the game there's not an end goal does that make sense to the conspiracy theorist in you could argue that they're just getting these kids ready to like live in the matrix and accept yes. virtual reality well, open yes. world existences yeah, true this is already player one this is what's going on uh and this day in 2016 uh gabrielle medina became the first ever surfer to land the move backflip quote unquote in competition i'm only bringing this up because yesterday kev you and i were flipping through television and we watched the nba game and it was a bust so we Flipped back and forth between golf and surfing on TV. And all I could think about when watching surfing is like, why are any of these guys doing like flips or anything? <laughs> Apparently, it took till 2016 for the first person yeah, you to can't do it. just like be doing flips. I thought flips. people did flips. I don't know, I guess. No, no I was wrong. A backflip is a whole different animal, too, I feel like, right? I guess? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. No, you don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And I thought about it because don't. when we were watching the surfing, they were using all sorts of phrases and stuff that I'd never heard of before, like surfing lingo, and I definitely was confused. Mm -hmm. I did look up some surfing lingo. Are you guys curious to hear some <laughs> surfing lingo? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so how about the term frothing? What do surfers use that for? Frothing? Like coffee? For when the when the waves have a bunch of froth on them, I'm yeah, guessing? Yeah, a general yeah. term to express excitement about a good wave. Those waves look so fun. 
I was absolutely frothing, bro. Uh, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they use that outside of surfing, though. I've only used that's it in a, coffee. I've only heard it in coffee. Weird. Uh, what? Well, how about... What, what, what's going on with a surfer when he is what? slotted? If a surfer is slotted, what does that mean? He, he like, slips off Im- his board. I would imagine it means that you're probably, like, sat right into the side of the wave and, like, in good position, like, really locked in, going on the side of the wave. <laughs> They're locked into a tasty barrel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the surfer had something to do with barrels. Yeah, the surfer was so slotted on that wave, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my favorite part about watching it, was watching the announcer have to be, like, very serious, like, and here's Kelly Slater getting some gnarly gnar on that wave. Yeah, but he he wasn't like, oh, he's got to be like that. That's how he is. These people aren't pretending. (laughs) It's not like they trotted out Al Michaels, and they're like, all right, here's some surfing lingo, hit him. Like, that guy was stoked. I would have preferred if you had flipped the golf and and surfing commentators. So the surf guys were like, oh, dude, what a gnarly putt, dude. He's frothing on that drive. And then the surfing guy's just like, oh, he's beautiful in the barrel. He's in the barrel for, oh, what a wonderful <laughs> It's beautiful, wonderful, wonderful work on the, on the froth. Very good work. All right, that's it. Uh, history lessons. All right, and I've gone longer on those than I care to. So I am going to hold off on the climate change story that I had for this week. We'll do that one next week. Don't worry, climate change isn't going anywhere. Yes. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. Especially okay. not here in America. That's your tease for next week's story. Uh, so I'll go through a couple quick outros, and then we'll head out of here today. Um, so this is one I saw today that's interesting. Uh, you know the music service title? Yeah. Title. Uh, they've been accused of faking hundreds of millions of plays on their service for Kanye West and Beyonce. Really? Uh, and I think it's funny because I, I feel like those are the only two reasons you would get title in the first place, isn't it? That's it's just exactly, <laughs> is that, exactly. Is that what it is? That's what's happening here. <laughs> so Nobody's do you think, got title. No, is, is that really what it is? Uh, Nobody has title. like Apache Chief is the only person in the world <laughs> who uses title. Shout out to title. Him and like Jay-Z's mom maybe. Uh, the announcement by Title uh, last year claimed that The Life of Pablo, the last Kanye West album, was streamed 250 million times in the first 10 days it was available. It also have it also claimed last year to have 3 million subscribers, meaning each user played the record 83 times of everybody who was on there. That seems kind of obvious to catch that that doesn't make sense, right? That yeah. seems like they're probably counting every time somebody clicks an individual track. They're yeah. probably yeah. counting yeah, yeah, streaming yeah, yeah. the albums each time a track, so... How many tracks were on Pablo? Like 14, 15 songs? So if you take each one of those by plays, they're probably counting 15 times each person goes all through the album. Not counting if somebody bounces back to restart a song or to skip back to a song they liked or something like that. Yeah, they're cooking the books. I know that you guys rag on me for being an old man, and I I bring it on most of the time, but I do wonder, like, is Spotify just the way that everyone gets their music now? Now you try listening. A lot of people. Like, what do you, if you don't want to use a streaming service, where would you even get music anymore now? Why don't you want to use a streaming service? I'm just curious. I'm not saying I don't no, want to. Well, no, no I'm, not, I'm not saying you, but, like, it's it's gotten to the point where it's like saying, well, if you don't feel like using, uh, if you don't feel like streaming movies, then what are you going to do? Well, you can illegally download them, or you can buy DVDs, I guess. Right, but I think the years of illegally downloading have passed us by, like, like Hot take, listeners. I went to go look for an album a couple days ago through illicit means, and it wasn't even available back. Yeah. In the, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think people go through the process of allowing 
their albums out there to be pirated. Well, because it's not people even allowing their albums. Nobody's out there seeding them or streaming because nobody wants them. Right. Because who needs it? Damn, like, I have Spotify, so I just listen to albums right off of there. I and then even it. if there's something, if you're going to go somewhere where you're not in some sort of streaming range or some sort of weird yeah. situation like that, you from Spotify, you can download it and like save it to your phone. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just, it's sort of, it's become obsolete. To yeah, I have all my playlists down Not there. use streaming. Mm. I mean, like, I use satellite radio, too. I think a lot of people are still doing yeah. that. But, but satellite radio is pretty cool. Yeah. I've only experienced it a bit, but like satellite radio is not bad. Is Pandora still a thing that people do? Pandora's, yep. We use Pandora at work all the time yeah. because instead of having to make a playlist, we can put it yeah. on the station and just leave it alone. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that causes its own problems. I don't really like Pandora. Um, I, I feel like Pandora is like... It's like taking twenty percent of the functionality of Spotify and being like, "Yeah, this is enough." And it's like, but you cut out all the good stuff. Yeah. Because like, there's a Spotify radio yeah. where they'll give you like a suggested shuffle, like they do on Pandora. Mm. I don't really, I don't know. I'm not looking for like somebody else to shuffle my radio for me. If they, right. I know sure. what I want to listen sure. to. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you're right. Uh, I feel like it's just something I've thought of lately because I was like, like my stepdad is like concerned about like. He doesn't know where to get new music. I mean, just sign up for Spotify. And he's like, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> right? And I think that's where you almost have to point somebody now if they're like, what do I do mm-hmm. to get new music? Just get just, Spotify. Yeah. Pay the nine bucks a month. It's... Or you can go and get it through Alexa, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> or you could get Tidal, and they'll just tell you what you should listen to 250 million times. Uh, we talked about robocalling last week. Uh, what do you know? Uh, a robocalling kingpin, Adrian Abramovich in Florida, was charged with making nearly 100 million spoofed robocalls. He must now pay the FCC a $120 million fine. Gosh. Do you know what a spoofed uh, robocall is? No. Yes. I don't. Oh, all right. So you're on it. I was going to give the explanation, but you well, already no, know. I mean, the listeners me, might not. Heather, no, he's like, no, I mean, never mind, Kevin Heather. Kevin knows. Forget Heather. You're well, I was going to go on for it, but you guys just cut me off. Damn it, Heather, you meathead. Why don't you read something? <laughs> oh, that was uh, great. <laughs> oh, what's up? <laughs> uh, the calls using caller ID spoofing mimic the first six, dig- six digits of the replicant's phone number, a practice dubbed neighborhood spoofing. So it seems like they're calling from a different someone else in your neighborhood. What this guy was doing... This is pretty wild, and it's super shady. Uh, the recorded pitch that he would give would mislead victims into believing that they were uh, this call was being made by a major hospitality company. So he would name, like, TripAdvisor or Expedia or Hilton or the Marriott. And it wasn't until the victims responded to the offer of a discounted trip by hitting the number button, like, you know, that it would put them to a live operator who would ultimately try and sell them Mexican timeshares. <laughs> um... I mean, like, to a certain extent, like, I, it's your own fault for, like, pressing a button when you get a robocall. But, again, these calls are made now to be confusing and confuse, like, old folks and young people who don't know any better. And it's – I'm glad to see that the FCC actually did something and made this guy pay money for it. I'd like to see them do more good things and not, you know – More evil things. More, and not more evil things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, robocalling is a scummy thing, and I'm glad this guy – parents have a landline, and they get a – Constantly, all like all day, every day. I you can see the oh. caller ID come up, and there's just all these things people are trying to sell them. Or there is a call blocking service called Haya that did a report that said that 4.9 billion billion with a B robocalls have gone out in just the first three months of 2018. Oh my, gosh. which is, and a lot of it is just because it's really easy. There's tons of like open space software and available software that you can use on your computer. Yeah, now you can just automate it. You can call everybody. Yeah, it's. And of course, it makes sense that the landlines get it because these people, I mean, if I was somebody who was running a scam like this, I'll target landlines first because I know damn sure that that person is 
probably yeah. old. old <laughs> and they're they're definitely old and they're probably more likely to be not as like tech savvy or yes. like scam wary mm-hmm. you know what i mean but this mm-hmm. is just a continued evolution you know just like the the nigerian prince email scam mm-hmm. that like is the first one that comes to people's minds yeah, yeah. People they've been doing this to people for a really long time call up old folks sell them stuff they don't need yeah I mean, I remember it happened to my grandma when I was really young. Somebody called her from, you remember, like, Sport Magazine? Just Sport. Yeah, Sport. And, like, Inside <laughs> Sports. They called her. They got her on the phone. They got her confused. And, I mean, she was literally, like, she was super old and, like, not very clearly not going to live very much longer. And they called her up and they got her to pay for, like, an eight-year subscription uh-huh. ahead of time for, like, three different magazines just because, like, she was old and they, they pitched her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that stuff happens and will continue to happen. I mean... My grandmother would answer phone calls like that just because my grandfather passed away. She wanted to talk to. Talk to. You know what I mean, like it's it's yeah, sometimes yeah. when you get just yeah. The, For sure. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy this. Yeah. We have a we have a good friend of the pod who had a family member give something like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to like like amazing Kreskin Foundation. Yeah, or something. Kreskin, yeah. Really though, somebody yeah. called him for that, and they like gave it. I mean, she yeah. was a really wealthy lady too, so they. Mm-hmm. Milked over the course of three years, they took over three hundred thousand dollars from his terrible older stuff. great aunt. Ugh, That's terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah. terrible. Be, watch yourself, folks, and uh, and look out for your parents and grandparents because sometimes uh, the world changes. They fast. genuinely have no idea they what's going on. No idea what's going on. <laughs> like the ones that do are the exception. Most of these people are lost and scared, and the world is very different for them right now. So we got to keep an eye on the olds. Uh, Yes, keep an eye on the olds, but remember, it's always important to keep an eye on the new as well. I try and keep up with new lingo and new content that comes oh, out. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, no, no, it's good. Uh, so you guys are familiar with ghosting, are you yeah. not? Yeah. Uh, ghosting, for those of you not, is when you're seeing someone and they just disappear out of nowhere. Stop all contacts and ghost away. Now, I'm just going to ask, have you guys ever ghosted anybody? Yes. Yeah, I've definitely ghosted people in the past, mm-hmm. so I don't feel bad about it. Okay, so that was the one that people were complaining about for the last few years, but there's a new... Uh, a new dating thing that's pretty much the same thing as ghosting, but it's a little more insidious. Uh, do you guys know what orbiting is? Yeah. No. Oh, all right. What do you got? What is yeah. it? Well, I think you can't... You don't... The person at fault here isn't necessarily the orbiter or the person doing the orbiting. It's the people who are misleading them to keep them in orbit in the first place who are the real culprits here. Okay. I think we're. I think we're having different... Uh, different, okay, then tell dis- me what you got. The description I have for orbiting is when someone ghosts you, right? You, you see somebody, you ghost them, you don't talk to them anymore, but then they still interact with you on social media, like your posts, watch your stories. Uh, they won't ri- reply to your text, but they'll still orbit the periphery of your, like, social media life. That's weird. Right? I've had this happen in the past where, like, there'd be someone who I'm, like, not talking to anymore, like an ex-girlfriend or someone I'm not speaking with, but they will, like like all sorts of posts and stuff, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like on. continually or just after a while out of nowhere? A little bit of both. I've seen both things happen. Oh. I've seen Because I know what the after a while out of nowhere means. Well, <laughs> I think everybody... They're lonely and they're thinking about you. Or they got broken up with or... Either yeah. or they... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it could be, yeah. could be one of many things. Yeah. I just, I've never heard of this term before. I've never heard that. You make, a, you make an interesting... You, you said this, though, and I initially thought before I read this that that's what orbiting was, is where you just sort of... When, like, I, when, when I was t- talking about orbiting, I was talking about, you know, you see people do it where, the you know, you keep um, you keep people on the hook. Yes. That's kind of like what it... You know, like you, but, but instead of being you're the person following the victim, you're the person who's keeping people on the hook. So it's like, hey, you know, I'm yes. not going to date you right now, but I'll give you just enough hope to keep you paying attention oh. to me, and then if yes. I ever get stuck, I can, I can pull you. Yeah. This is what how you see. I don't know. It's a lot to unpack. It's like no, you, you string people along a little bit. It's like I don't know if this is a person who I want to date right now, but you know, 
maybe I might at some other time. So I don't want them to think that I'm not interested in them at all, right? I'm gonna that's a really altruistic way to look at it, but yeah. Well, I'm sure that that's how people will describe it to themselves when like they I've do done it. That. I'm sure that everyone's look. Everyone's done all of these things. It's just funny that people put phrases and words yeah, and names why do we have to, to them. Why do we have to do that? Now so I'm... that we can identify and name the things, and we can work to grow and get better as people in this weird therapy oh, experiment we call life. What do you mean? Do you think people should try to get worse or try to get better? No, we don't need to name it. Uh, so uh, I won't talk about. I was going to talk about Sean Hannity and Donald Trump's late night phone calls, but we'll oh, just I leave that. that I just think it's morning. fun. I'll just leave it alone as it is. Stop. So, uh, and instead, we'll close up today with uh, something different. Uh, I saw two outrageous conspiracy theories this weekend, and I wanted to share them with you guys and see what your thoughts were on them, okay? These are both conspiracy theories. We'll call this, I don't know, conspiracy corner. Uh, <laughs> these are both conspiracy theories based around childhood uh, stories or television shows, okay? okay. Sure. First one. Is about the Nicktoons show, The Rugrats. Oh. You guys like The Rugrats? Yeah. Familiar with Rugrats at all? I well, see. Well, he's going to ruin it for you. Well, I, well I, again, these are all conspiracy theories. I don't know if they're true. Have you heard of the conspiracy theory that all of the kids on Rugrats are a figment of Angelica's imagination? That no. they're not real. And the parents lost all the kids, and that. Angelica is imagining all these hijinks in her head because she misses her niece, her cousins who are all dead. Oh my gosh, no. I've never heard this. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's, so it's ridiculous. You don't buy the theory yeah, that no. Angelica is imagining the Rugrats and that's why they can talk and do all these outrageous things that they couldn't do as babies. No. Okay. All right. I was curious. I thought it was wild. I didn't buy into it either necessarily. Kevin, your thoughts on the dead baby Rugrats argument? I mean, what, people got a lot of time. Okay. <laughs> All right, and this is the other one. This is less of a conspiracy theory, but more of a, huh, like, got to think about it a little bit. What do you guys know about Peter Pan? Well, the character Peter Pan. Yeah. Like, did you like Did you like Peter Pan as a kid? Yeah, Disney I love movie? Peter but Pan. When Peter Pan shows up... Bad news about those kids, yeah. too. Right. When Peter Pan shows up, what's the first thing he does in, in both, in all the stories? The very first thing that happens when Peter Pan shows up at, the, at Wendy's house. I don't even remember. He kidnaps those kids. Oh, that's right. He takes those kids out of their house in the middle of the night and flies them away, and the parents Willingly. look Willingly. It's not really kidnapping. So the, the conspiracy theory around this is that Peter Pan... <laughs> you give a five-year-old kid candy, and he willingly gets in your van. I'm pretty sure you just kidnapped yeah, the kid. Yeah, you kidnapped again. So the conspiracy... It's the reason little kids can't, like, serve on juries. It's human trafficking. The conspiracy behind Peter Pan is that Peter Pan is actually not a good guy. He is a demon who kidnaps children and takes them back to this never-never land where they never get old. He steals their souls and takes them back to this place where they're gone and stay forever. And that Captain Hook is the only kid who escaped. He lost his hand in the process, but he escaped. And he is actually the good guy on the island trying to save the kids from the evil demon Peter Pan who steals kids. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a part. Oh, Justin Parker thinks he loves it. He loves this idea. I want to see the movie. So this is my new Peter Pan TV series where Peter Pan's the bad guy and Hook is the good guy, and we're flipping it all around. I what are like your thoughts it. on the Peter Pan I conspiracy? I kind of like it. Better than the Rugrats. It's better than the Rugrats theory. That is theory. a good one. <laughs> right. Whoever thought of that one, high five. All right. So evil Peter Pan, you guys are in on, but not in on dead Rugrats. Oh, all right. Demented. That Very one's good. just bad. All right, good. So, uh, no, it's good. Maybe I'll bring more conspiracies in here. I want to watch that movie now. I want it to be a movie. Uh, Follow Heather and share all your uh, conspiracy-laden stories with her on Twitter at HeatherWise1. Follow Kevin at underscore underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Follow the show at 
Uticast, we are on MadeInUtica.com, Uticast.com. Uh, Android, get on that Stitcher, number one on Stitcher, baby. Uh, all over Apple Podcasts, uh, Instagram, Twitter, we're taking over the web. Sign our humanoids, keep it tight. Vote. Woods. Yeah, vote. Woodstock lives May 15th. Get out there, vote, guys. It's important to vote. Yeah, vote. Really late. No enthusiasm, either low energy. Sorry. Low energy.